Hello and welcome to the F24 podcast. My name is David and each week, as I'm sure you know, I invite a creative over to my studio in North Acton to talk about their lives and interactions with London, culture and creativity. I hope my community are doing better this week. It's been a rough one for the friends and family of Lover K Bergen trip. I heard that the memorial down at Loughborough train station was really nice, but it was a shame BTP and security felt they needed their presence there at such a sad time. People were grieving, but you know, I suppose they thought private property was more important. But you know what, it's been great seeing all the tributes. The culture has come together again as it does when people are suffering. And just like the Grenfell situation, you know, on the 16th this month, Enigma, Mr. Met, Polo Peak, King Zombie, Shan, and a few others put on a massive and great event down at Trellick Towers to celebrate the Grenfell residents and raise them some money, give this kid something to do on such a great sunny day. So listen, a massive thank you to them guys and everyone else who made that happen. And also the culture for being what it is, one big family. So this week, another one from my extended cultural family is London's one and only Theo Keating, otherwise known as the infamous Fake Blood and UK Graffiti's very own Snatch from CWS, PFB and the others. This guy, man, this guy, since the beginning, since I've been in the culture, this guy's piece has been it for me. I might be looking and reminiscing at the past with glazed eyes, but I don't think I've ever seen a bad piece for this guy and tell me you've seen one because I haven't. All fire, all the time. My favourites always include the 93 Uni Jam piece he'd done in Fulham crazy cool and fresh and would easily stand up today 25 years on. You hear us talk about that painting and more, but apart from me just getting my graph-drenched brain more fodder, another reason I got Theo round was to hear about how he got into music and what led him to make a career out of it, and one with so much adventure too. We talk loads about music, from Nicky Black Market and his influence in jungle music, to Acid House and making his own music. It was really great him coming over and getting to hear about his journey. The music in the background? Well, each piece you'll hear is by Theo, which he's happily graced us with. It's usually the track by Nicked Records. Amazing, I love it. But I couldn't say no to fake blood, eh? Enjoy it. This is F24. Let's give us a name. So I, I thought of, um, I did something, I was like, cheat Wizards, something about Wizards of Chiba or something. And I remember writing it, it was in an exam. I'd finished the exam and I was scribbling on this paper and I went up to the guys at after the exam, I was like, oh, yeah, I thought this Sweet Wizards of Chiba, SWC. And then I think Flo or Shun said, why don't we just make it Chiba Wizards? Shorter, CWS. And I was like, bang, let's do that. And uh, so I, I sort of like, when I went to college after that, I started sort of adding guys like Carl and Stair, and then these guys. Um, Southeast Hatch. Chapter one, London. We start off in West London and we get to hear some amazing stories about how that part of town felt and looked. He tells us a bit about his home life and its connection to him finding music, what he liked to hear, electronic synth sounds via the radio, and a great story about him being truly put on by being given the way for a pirate station. And then getting onto vinyl and remembering his first hip hop purchase. Then to his education, how he felt about school and what it was like going to college. Wicked for you, man. Are you alright, David? Thank you, much. Thank you very much for coming over, man. No worries, my pleasure. And so it took a little while, but um, got there in the end. Yeah, we got yeah. there, man. Sorry about the stuffy room. I know it's a bit hot. It's a scorcher. Wicked, man. Well, let, let's um, let's start at the beginning. Yeah. Let's tell them where you're from, where it all started. I'm from West London originally. Wicked. Uh, born just off. Cromwell Road, and then grew up first little bit of my life, Barons Court, which is obviously near West Ken, Hammersmith, 
And then when I was a little boy, I, I moved with my mum to Westbourne Park. Lived there till I was in my sort of mid-teens. And then I moved back to my dad's in Barons Court. And then after that, I kind of flew the coop and I've been dotting around. Everywhere ever since. Yeah, but staying in that kind of more like northwesty kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No precise locations given, but... Uh, <laughs> Wicked, man. <laughs> so um, what was it like in Westbourne and that? Well, I mean, I was there, there really at an interesting time because I moved there in 81, right? Oh, right. So, I mean, the Westbourne Park people might know now and that sort of area, Portobello, Lovett Grove was... You know, it's obviously it's changed a lot, and people have been over this a lot. And you know, some things about some things are a lot worse. And but it was just very different in those days. It was a kind of, in the same way that parts of East London were, had a lot of young people, a lot going on, a lot of creativity, a lot of like mixing of ideas and cultures and stuff. That was where it was happening at that point. You know mm. I mean, late seventies into the eighties, and through, and then. Um, so, you know, I moved there. I was in just this little one-bedroom flat with my mum. So it was, and we were just, you know, just down from Westbourne Park Tube. So you had, you know, All Saints Road, Port Bello, just around the corner. And, um, the Westway. Yeah, just going on underneath there. And, it. you know, it was just, it was a mad time. Because also, you know, you'd, there was carnival. The carnival used to go past our house, you know. And now they've like kettled everyone into like four roads, whatever it is. Yeah. But uh, I used to just go down all the little side streets, went past our door, you know, and there was, but, and, but kind of had had a bad time in the late seventies and there'd been troubles and stuff. So it was quite, an in, there was a lot, there was a sort of friction and a, not friction exactly, but it was an area that was very mixed. Do you know what I mean? And it always has been, there's always been like huge houses and very kind of old, quite well off families often sort of brass, but, you know, living yeah. in these massive houses. Yeah. And then, like, some proper nasty characters, too, you know what I mean? Yeah. And everyone from, in between. Yeah. People just get on with their life. <clears throat> so there was all kinds of... It was it's intensely mixed in that part of town. Right? Yeah, it was. From Holland Park, right down the hill to, um, like, Chippenham and hitting Maida Vale, and then off to the left a bit to Harrow Road in Kilburn, mm. and everything you're con- surrounded by in that area... And then the motorway and the split over to Edgware Road. and Yeah, and that split also that was very important, you know, was the, the one where you crossed the tracks, Westbourne Park, and then it was Goldbourne Road. Right, yeah. And then the, going on to Harrow Road. The Blue Bridge you're talking about, the old Blue Bridge. Um, no, no, like the old, like the sort of, you know, the Henry Chalfont Bridge. When yeah, you yeah. go over to like I Goldbourne see. Road. Yeah. And then um, when you have like, that was one little sort of, Invisible Area. boundaries, yeah. Right? But then there was another one which was like the canal, and that's right. You know the the, the um the footbridge by the blind school and that, or what was there before yeah. the old crummy one that used to be the, the bridge. I mean, and it was and then it was Harrow Road. I remember when I moved in, I was a little boy, and this older guy who was this like nutter, um, who my brother knew, um, took me around. And he said, "Right, this is where you can go. This is where you shouldn't really go. This is." And he took me on this walk, and I. Was, just I mean, trying to take it in. Yeah, it was just, and then, but you know, you just you just go on with it, and you know, it was just a different time because you had a lot of people who were in a lot of bands were living around, so you'd see like living next door to us were like Heaven Seventeen. Wow. <laughs> or like their girlfriends or something. So yeah, yeah. Always in there, and yeah. this was at the time when they were, had their records out, and so I'd look over the garden wall and be like, "Oh my god, Glenn Gregory," and like, <laughs> and then you'd see like. 
you know, all the kind of dreads and all the, all this sort of stuff was around and about. And it was, uh, the summers there were especially kind of buzzing and your tabernacle and like, so obviously like I saw that was the kind of crucible where that whole hip hop thing kind of landed first here. I mean, there's a lot of kind of discussion, you know, like, but it was as far, you know, people heard the same records, obviously simultaneously in different places, but as far as an area having a little kind of feeling that there was a scene or a buzz. It was all starting It was there. around there, yeah. And, yeah. You know, I remember walking around to Tabernacle when I was there, like 12 or whatever, and then you'd seeing like the the big paradox Spider-Man and the, the little scam thing and the, you know, and, and that funny little weird crocodile character and all these like pieces and stuff. And, the, and but then you'd also see all the old Dr. Alimentado stuff painted up everywhere. And, you know, it was a, a massive culture. Like yeah, it was a lot going pop. on, but it wasn't just, it was just a mixture of people, you know, and it had yeah, been like it, that for a while. Yeah. Because yeah. like performance obviously is set just on Paris Square. Uh -huh. So that was obviously, it was an area where a lot of people who were creative and in bands or artists or whatever, from all different kind of stratas of society and scenes uh, kind of congregated, you know, and there was a lot of the pubs, you know, I wasn't really going to the pubs. No, but with your, like, seeing all of that, did that, um, did that conflict with what you were hearing about in school in terms of education? And, like, by just seeing this, I don't know, just growing up in something so matter-of-fact, mm. growing up in that area and watching and seeing all this stuff was so matter-of-fact, it seems. Do you know what I mean? It's like, this is what, this is where I live, this is where I'm from. Yeah. And so you see that you're 11, 12 years old, so it's hard to really think, oh, amazing, I'm just going to be in fuck school and I don't understand education. I don't mean that, but you, I don't know, like, how was school? Well, school was all right, but it was, you know, it wasn't like a shock to go somewhere like, because I only lived in like near Hammersmith or, you know what yeah, I mean? It was yeah, only yeah. like, it, it wasn't like light years away from other parts of London. No. You know what I mean, but it was just, it was also, you know, getting used to just, the breakup of my mum and dad's marriage yeah. and me getting taken to live in this tiny flat with, and all that. And the, how, anyway. old, how old was your brother? Well, he was, he was like almost you? 11 years older than me. Oh, right. Okay. So yeah. he, um, he wasn't really around a lot because when I was little, he was around, I guess. Yeah. When I was tiny. But then as I became a kid, he was out with his mates. Off, and yeah. then, and because of the age gap, we never really played together. So yeah. he was around, but he also, once he could... He got. He was out as much as he could be. Yeah, because yeah. he was going through the same shit. Yeah, just so a he was like, I'm, I'm yeah. swerving this. But, so and he wasn't really part of you finding any music or. No, no. I mean, he's. We're so different in in terms of that sort of thing. Like, you know, our interests in music, and uh, I mean, there's like pretty much a zero overlap. Wow. And which is interesting because you know it's two people, same parents, and but yeah, it's really different in that way. Okay. Um, was it friends then that introduced you to I don't know. Music? It was, I mean, I always loved, you know, I always loved music and I loved pop music and the pop music of the time was pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. you know? That sort of early eighties, some of that, you know, I loved all the kind of what they call now boogie, but it was like the tail end of disco, with the big yeah. hand claps, that kind of prelude yeah. New York sound. Cause that was crossing over a lot. You hear it on the radio. Here yeah. You know, all those tunes that are now like party classics 
they're not you know they weren't a big deal so much in the states you know they yeah. were a big deal here because yeah. they was it was part of the fabric of london the uk was that those kind of soul records and and dance records were potential hits and like you'd hear them on the radio so growing up you'd hear a lot of that stuff you know and like sharon red and you know all that kind of stuff and but also all this like really amazing electronic like synth based pop music you know like you had depeche mode and orchestral maneuvers and human league and you know, Joy Division and New Order and blah, blah, blah. And, and this was all stuff and, and more obscure stuff as well. And that would, it was on the radio. That's I was about to say, thing. so you were catching most of this on the radio, this, right. It, it, it crossed out. Like, if you yeah. look at those old shows where they say, Top of the Pops, this week in 1982, you think, damn, you know, there was some, it was pretty awesome, some of these tunes. And yeah. these tunes were getting a shout on the radio and they were getting a chance and they were, because it was a genuine system where whereby what you heard on the radio was often reactive to what was going on um in uh, clubs yeah. and in little scenes places and local djs would say this band is really buzzing this is their record and it was based on what people were buying so if a if up north someone was selling shitloads of copies it would register on the system and it would then move around the country and stuff and you'd get it on Radio 1 and you'd hear these records or if it was insane for London. So, you know, the charts were, were were great and it wasn't, it was less manufactured. It was more honest. Like the people who were making those records were making those records. Yeah. And they were coming from a position of we're three mates in a garage trying to get on with it. It wasn't like... We're trying to make great music and yeah. do well. And it still sounds... You know, honest, good and honest today. And so I think I was very lucky in that I came up in that era of pop music. Mm. But then the, the sort of pop music that opens your ears to other things, it, it it shows you a glimpse of something else. Yeah. You know, a lot of that synth stuff was saying, hey, look at high energy music. Look at, you know, now as we know now, look at craft work. Look at blah, 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 blah. Look at all these things. And a lot of that kind of... um at that time, you know, there was, there were also these, the, the shows in the evenings, you know, you, where you could get a bit deeper into stuff. There wasn't YouTube and internet, so you listened to the radio. Yeah. And you often would catch things by accident and that they would open your mind, as people still do when they listen to, you know, NTS or they listen to whatever. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you listen to it because you want to hear something new. You want to be shown something unfamiliar that's going to, push you in a little tangent and it was a lot more it was a lot different back then in the 80s with the radio it was a lot more supportive a lot more organic and yeah. genuine and exactly so you you were hearing a brilliant brilliant surround piece of brilliant amount of music just yeah and then i guess you know and then obviously charted. the the big thing that everyone's got a very similar story but is you know when hip-hop or that or whatever you want to call it kind of arrived in its first bits and pieces mm. so you know you can same old shit everyone said yeah buffalo girls was on tv la, 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 hey rocksteady crew and but there were also records that had been played on the radio and i'm talking radio one here yeah that were had a foot in that world already for right. a while do you know what i mean yeah because of the, they were popular 
in that kind of nightclub scene. So they were seeping over already then before yeah, it hit the screen. Exactly. So you 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 sort of weren't familiar with it, but it was when it the visuals came, it was like yeah, you understood it. Like, yeah. What is this like? When I you know Buffalo Gals, you see Dondi doing the the big B, and it's just like the fuck yeah what the f- and what's going and it was it was amazing and obviously it blew a lot of people's minds and it informed many what went on for many years to come but being living around there as well it kind of it was outside the door as well literally pretty sharpish you know yeah. so you know obviously the future piece i'd go past it on the tube but i didn't know what it was you know it was it was, it was there it was, you like, know what it was what's that colourful thing on the wall? You know, but, and it didn't, once you had a context for it later, you're like, oh shit. Was it soon after? Was it in the following months, do you think? Or I don't know. I think, I mean, it's hard to say. You know? Yeah. You, it's just, I yeah. think that went up in what, 82 or something, something yeah. like that. So, everything else was concrete, apart from a few like, kind of, QPR tags or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was a, but it, because you don't really have a, um, What's the word? You don't really have... You don't have context of what it is. You, you said it, yeah. Context, that's right. So yeah. it doesn't... You can't really comprehend it or decode it. Yeah. Because you've got no... Yeah, no context and no like lexicon by which you can kind of judge it. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? And then once that starts arriving, then all... Everything sort of starts clicking together. And then... Um, and one thing was, you know, I'd heard whatever was available, like the little bits you'd get on... T- Saturday morning TV and the same little like fragments that mm. a lot of people were trying yeah. to pick up. And there's this, uh, I remember chatting on the, the bus at school, like we were going to play football or whatever. Um, we had this teacher who was there for a year. And he was this young guy who was like a proper like soul boy, casual guy. And he had a massive flick over one eye and he used to wear like little cardies and like button up shirts and like slip-ons. Massive white socks and that, and <laughs> whatever he could get away with within the kind of you know, yeah as a teacher. But you could tell he was you know flexing. Yeah, <laughs> and then he overheard us because he was he must have only been looking back. He must have only been like twenty three or four. The guy. Yeah, and he said, "Oh," and we were what thirteen? No, we were twelve. And he was saying, "Oh, you guys, you like that stuff, do you?" He goes, "Oh, you know, you should um this." And we oh, I can't hear much of it. You know, where do you hear it? Where do you actually find it? He goes, you should check out these records. You can buy them in price. And also listen to the this radio station. It was JFM, which was an old pirate. And he named, he said, you can listen to it anytime. It's a good station, but there's a show. I can't remember if it was Wednesday night, something like that. He goes, listen to that. And uh, the guy plays that stuff. Oh, my God. I remember this was like this piece of, hallowed information that had been mate the way information was passed the underground information was passed was amazing when you were that young and you just Mm. get this gem and you're like oh shit i'm in like yeah uh, it's like a key like uh, playing some computer game and you get some little doodad and it's like opens up you're the next yeah whatever it is world and it was it was like that so i I wow man he wrote it on this bit of paper and it was the, the frequency yeah and i remember getting home and i was like yeah and there it was and there at the time they were playing whatever it wasn't that the hip-hop show but it was oh my god this is like a really good radio station that plays all these and they were playing like soul tunes boogie tunes and all that so it was just wicked and then i remember when i tuned into that radio that hip-hop show i couldn't believe it man i was like oh my god this is just 
more of it and more of it. What, I've never heard this. What's this one? And that was it. I was, you know, I was done. You, got, I, you know, the Cupid's arrow was in. You know, I was. I was you found it. And and it was that amazing time. And having been into like, you know, synthy kind of pop yeah. stuff, and then also that kind of soul sort of boogie kind of stuff. You know, that crossed over. Because I used to listen to Froggy on Capital. Okay. And you play things like, you know, Rocker's Revenge and and uh, all these kind of like New York kind of club tracks and stuff. And then hearing all this like electro sort of hip hop, like drum machine based hip hop and stuff. It was just amazing. And I went to buy Crucial. Um, that's it. Before that, I went to buy Crucial, the, the, you know, the albums, the electro yeah. albums. I bought Crucial One or something. And I remember, before, this is before actually I had the radio station, putting this thing on because I recognized the name of one of the songs. It was like maybe Pack Jam or some shit. No, it was Man Parish, I think. No, I recognized that. Okay. I put it on and, you know, they were all segued like a mix, like blended. And this, my dad used to have this Bang & Olufsen stereo that he bought when he was a young man with his first like paycheck or something. Brilliant. Oh no, he bought it when he bought his first house or something. He was just like, yeah. And this thing was like a tank. Like it lasted a decade. Like there's houses that have been built and fallen in the time that this thing lasted. And the <laughs> bass this thing put out and I put it on and it came in and it was like Captain Rock or something. It was just an epiphany. It was like, this is music from another planet. Do you know what I mean? This isn't like, it has threads that that mean I, I like it. That there's some DNA of it that relates to stuff I already know and like. But this is something completely else. And it was the same listening to the radio, you know. And then that's it. And then I, you know, I guess I fell into that whole thing that so many people shared, which was you know, did a bit of the old breaking, had a go at doing a bit of a few outline tagging and all, you know that sort of shit. Must, I'm wondering. Could when when will that happen again? I don't know. I sort of think, like you know, what you get in that sound and being like, "Oh shit!" Like, but it might have, might be happening right this minute. It could be, yeah. Thirteen-year-old kid, yeah, down the road. You yeah, know, it's true in a, in various ways. As well. And that's, I suppose, that, like you're talking about these keys and these you know passwords into these places. Mm. I suppose kids will find that for a YouTube link now, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's different. The delivery is different. You know, the way you yeah get music the way you find it it's all very different but i think it's all that feeling that human feeling of being shown or hearing something for the first time that really excites you and fires off some kind of mad synaptic fireworks mm. in the brain that'll always happen yeah Where, you know no you're right it that, might have taken us that's human isn't it footwork and a bit more you know scratching about and yeah. um, but now you know, this I'm sure there's still it just happens because people are going to hear records or, or see things that blow their minds. I think that yeah. always happens. I'm probably just being romantic about those years and how innocent it seemed. But it I suppose was. my it was son, like though, wasn't it? It, yeah, well, well, if you think of it now as a bullet, but I, I remember choosing to buy records and my mates couldn't be bothered because it just seemed long. It was like, yeah. what the f we can get it on tape, or my mate's going to copy it, and I wanted the vinyl. So I decided, oh, I'm, I'm going to do that. That's going to, I'll go that deep on it. I'll go down the West End and I'll go hunting. And but yeah, I loved making those decisions, and because it was more to get into. 
well, I know, found it was... And now that's coming back, as in... Yes, exactly, yeah. And I think, you know, people might say, oh, hipsterism with vinyl. But I think that's just being a bit cynical because there's also a genuine interest. You, yeah. You can say, oh, it's, it's a trend or whatever. But it was also, some people are genuinely oh, interested because it's a reaction. People, you know, want... They'll always want things. Yeah. They want to... They love something. They yeah. want to be able to hold it, look at it, pick it up. Yes. Not even always just play it, just to have it. You know, people... It's not like people have burnt all their books, you know, because people still want yeah. some books. They want some things. And it's... I think it's... Uh, records are something which, after so many years of just having, you know, essentially just a list... Of, of thumbnails on your computer oh. which you think when you want to listen to something how do you even kind of browse it how do you even you know it, it just people like to see it's pleasing like you know right now I'm sitting here looking at your shelf mm. and obviously I'm predisposed to records but it, I know like that is something that humans find interesting like they look at yeah. library shelves yeah, in amazing exactly. old houses and they even if Half those books are not something they'd even want to read. read it's yeah. still a fascinating yeah. thing. It's lovely looking at other people's collections as well. Not even not being nosy about it, but just seeing it. I know you've got ten times the amount I've got no, here, but, anymore, no. but just seeing a, a shelf of music, you don't have to read the records, but you're yeah. like familiar, understand it. I know what you've story. done to it's do someone, it. It's like yeah. another dimension. It shows. It's like a little projection of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And. Um, so yeah, and there was that side of it, you know. And uh, you know, uh, as a kid, you would go and you'd buy your little sevens, your little yeah. singles of your whatever tunes you were, you liked as pop tunes. So I had my little stack of sevens, and then but before I got into hip hop and stuff, I often used to go and buy twelves because they had like the longer versions, and that kind of got me almost like pre prepared for um, liking not just hip hop, but house and stuff like that, because I was listening by choice as a sort of 11 year old to longer, like seven minute versions with like edits of the tracks. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like weird dubbed out bits in the middle and stuff. So, and it's not cause I was anything special. It's just cause that was there. And it was just, yeah. Well, you obviously found it appealing music yeah. properly was your savior. Like deep inside was it when you were younger? Yeah. Yeah. Your shit. It was your, yeah, and drawing, you know, like, that was always my thing, drawing. Like, I'd always... What were you drawing? Just, I mean... Comics and just logos. I, I found my dad, bless him, he would always keep... He, he kept everything. Uh-huh. He, he kept it on the low, but he, he, he always had this pile of paper in his... He worked at home a lot of the time. He had a pile of, like, paper, which were letters and stuff, and on the back, they were blank. And instead of binning them, he would just put them on a pile. And so I could always grab a few Wicked. and draw on the blank side. And I would just go in and sit in his room while he was working. And I was like, just drawing all this, like, um, Chewbacca and Han Solo and, Superman and all that stuff. And yeah. then I found a few of them a while ago that he'd kept. He'd kept his favourites. And I was in hysterics. Like, little things I, I'd drawn, like, like naked women when I was, like, sort of six <laughs> all this funny stuff yeah you know, like and, and um i drew on the walls of my bedroom one of the first as a little boy i must have been yeah five or six i got a crayon and i drew 
it was a pregnant woman and she had a big belly and I drew the baby in there and then Batman saving her. It was Batman like coming over to her. <laughs> that was on there for years. Amazing. So, and... Drawing was a, yeah. a nice place to go as well then. Yeah, and my folks were, you know, they encouraged it and mm. like they left that on the wall. And, I, and uh, yeah, he, he would always let me sit with next to him when he was working and draw. And they'd always be out in restaurants, my mum especially, because she, you know, she was... Know, partying it up whatever you know like on the on the sauce whatever so i'd be sat in some re- sort of restaurant in Nottingham gate kind of bored out of my mind and i'd be pulling um the paper out of people's fag packet <laughs> silver paper yeah. drawing on the white side with like the waiter's biro do you know what i mean <laughs> so, so i'd always be doodling and drawing and shit so you know when um when all that sort of hip-hop stuff arrived it was just a natural thing to kind of try and uh, draw some lettering, which is, uh, and that, you know, obviously uh, became quite fun. Chapter two, culture. Theo got down at a young age and really started finding himself in music, but graffiti was inevitably going to be a route he'd want to check out after seeing the Buffalo Girls video. And coming from that part of town and seeing the Futura piece, it was all quite matter-of-fact really. He ends up in college and we hear about some amazing connections he made there, which led to a great round in his graffiti career and included London's infamous Three Corners in Farringdon. We move on on how he progressed into music and started making it as well as being a DJ, and him starting to get to grips with being a musician for a living. He tells us about how he did this through working in random jobs and having great friends and good places for him to keep his vinyl coming in. And we get into a discussion about record shops in the West End, Black Market Records for instance, and his association there. Raving, Breakbeat, House, Jungle, and whatever came after. And then we get into going out in town, dressing up with pin rolls, high top fades, and dancing. Were there um, any other friends joint starting up with you, or was it still a bit of a... There was like some little friends at school who we'd form this like little bogus crew, whatever, you know, yeah. like give ourselves sort of silly names over, but they were just into a bit of popping because it was what was cool at yeah. that time for a kid, whatever. But I was the one who was like really into Going it, into you school. know, and then uh, sort of stuck with it as it were and got deeper into it. And it, yeah. Do you remember so, what year you started? Um, I don't know. My first. Attempts were probably 84. Wow. Drawing. And even actually spraying something on a, a wall, I think it's probably it. Well, I remember, and then I think, yeah, I, I, I think it was 84. It must have been because I was in that class. And I remember like early 85 is probably the first time I did tags outdoors, like, you know, bombing around in the street or whatever. And when you, when you started the action of graffiti... Like and you start bombing and doing your bits and pieces. Did you find something similar in how what you felt from finding music or like a, a bit more of an extreme version, an extreme feeling? Yeah, because it's a buzz. Yeah, but then that buzz got like you know killed quite quick. It created a bit of you know a rift at home. It was it wasn't good for uh, relations. Yeah, because I was living with my mum and my dad. You know it was. So obviously something like that is used as a kind of leverage. Or- Did you continue school and college? And Well, I left school at GCSEs. Uh-huh. And I I went to do a, um, like a one-year BTEC 
mm-hmm. course because uh-huh. I didn't want to do any O-levels so I did that instead and this is in and funny this was a this is what got me back into painting a bit more I did I, sort of indirectly but this so this was like 88 so and I was getting a lot into like Acid House and a lot of other music in Detroit sort of techno and stuff and still loving my hip-hop probably yeah so I moved I go but to that this, was a uh, wave as well though wasn't it yeah and that's a whole yeah. other thing into itself <clears throat> so this college was in um, Clerkenwell okay Farrington. so um, and now I don't know what it is but and it was mostly like most of the people there came from East London and stuff it was a lot of like Dawson Hackney so it wasn't really anyone I knew there there was one other couple of people I knew yeah but in my year there was me and bus from ITC, Step, who was um, and um, and then a mate of mine who a guy who I came, became really good friends with at college, who then started writing. Um, and he was called, and then he went on to write Cal One. He was like a guy yeah. from like Grove, and because I'd grown up part of my life in Grove, and then he did, we became really good mates and. And fun, you know, I'm mean. I was like, oh, I know who you are, blah, 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 yeah. blah. <clears throat> and around this time, I was doing this other graph with, with a lot a crew from South London, and we were called Five Crazy Devils. It was me, C1, a guy called Jem, a guy called Chrisma. There was C's, that was us, as in Andy yeah. C's, uh, and a guy called Mars. And we were doing like loads of these commissions in South London just to get loads of paint, really. Yeah. We did a, and then, um, so I was sort of getting back into it and drawing and, you know, someone says, oh, what's that in your Facebook? And then one day, you know, you look out the window of one of the classrooms. It's like, what's that? What the fuck is down that? Down there across the road. And it was three corners. What? It was literally across the street from the college out the back window. Yeah, I know exactly. And we would go in and out the front window. It's that big, huge Victorian school building, which yeah. is now, I don't know what it is. It's some other college. But it the was then, it was still just, there. It was just a local college. You yeah. know, it was part of... Um, it's a youth club now. Is it? Yeah. And... So I'm looking out and going, oh, there's pieces down there. So we went down there after college one day we, and spoke to the person in the hut whatever, and said, can we do some pieces? And they, and they were like, well, people don't really do it anymore down here. I haven't done it for a while so much. And, we said, yeah, well, and they were like, you, you're any good? And we were like, well, we're, we're not shit. You know what I mean? Like, well, we go to this college here. We're, we, you know, yeah. we're nice lads. And then, um, so we went down. I think the first time we did it, me and Mean did it. Sick. And I did this, I, I just tried to go too big on this piece. And I, I had these like home styles, man. You remember home styles? Yeah. They're fucking bait. They're shit. So, and people go, oh, yeah, nostalgia, home style, home styles. There were a couple of colors that are right, but you try and cover an area with some home styles. It's just not happening. Especially that antique pink, whatever the fuck right. it was. And it, I just started putting it on and it all started bubbling and reacting and nothing was happening. It was just rubbish, this piece. So I just abandoned it. And there's, I think there's one photo I found online of it. <clears throat> and Mean did this like nice thing, like ME thing. And I was like, oh, I'm not happy. I want to go back and do more. So then we went back again and I did this like SNA thing with this Bode character on this like yellow background. And this was like, this would be spring 89. And then a couple of other people started showing up around that time, like Buskin Skyer and um, 
Shoom and people like that. There was a few Shoom, yeah. people showing up and doing like bits and bobs down there. And because it was just over the road, you know, we would just go in there and just, you know, look and do tags and just hang yeah. out. And um, and, and then we, th I got a bit more into a graph because I had a sort of mates at college who were into it and I had a space outside and there was somewhere yeah and there was this so I got more into it and then um it was I guess when did it yeah when I was leaving school so just before leaving school to go there I, I've I've sat in an exam and I thought I'm gonna have a crew it's gonna be let's form a little crew it's gonna be me because at my school there was Shun Fucking and hell. Flo too they were in the year below me oh, no best shit. mates and um me and another mate of mine called um who was writing um what was he writing at the time i think it was endo anyway there was a few of us and um i thought well, let's give us a name so i i thought of um i did something i was like cheat wizards something about wizards of chiba or something and I remember writing it, it was in an exam. I'd finished the exam and I was scribbling on this paper and I went up to the guys at like after the exam. I was like, oh, yeah, I thought of this Sweet Wizards of Chiba, SWC. And then I think Flo or Shun said, why don't we just make it Chiba Wizards? Shorter, CWS. And I was like, bang, let's do that. And uh, so I, I sort of like, when I went to college after that, I started sort of adding guys like Carl and Stare and then these guys um, from Southeast Hatch and all sorts of people. And because, and then we did like, um, I did that Sunkiss Burner thing, which yeah. was in Hip Hop Connection and all that. And that just got bitten to bits, that piece, man. And that was mad. That was the first time I'd done something and I thought, and then I saw people directly biting it. And that's when you know, like, you hit something. Yeah, people are actually seeing what I do, and like, yeah. it's what were you? Because you, when I first saw your work, it was top level huh. London writing. Like the letters were sick, clean lines and the outlines. The characters always funky and cool and fresh, and like so. It was drawing? Did you keep the drawing up and the college experience? Like, did you do? Was it illustration and drawing there, or it was a mixed? art thing but i was also i was slack were you yeah because you've got like this it's like if someone would have said to me can you draw i would have said yes no i can draw uh, right. i will i'll say i can draw and that's yeah. why i pursued that or went into it yeah but i um i was kind of what's the word coasting because okay. i was bunking off a lot yeah I was all I was all a bit of a shambles. The world was taken over. Yeah, the and I was having was like you. panic attacks every day. And right. Like, I, was, I was a bit of a mess. So I wasn't doing it and I was staying up till crazy hours every night, not getting my work done, going to college, absolutely like cross-eyed. So still I wasn't... Still you know, at your dad's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I kind of, it was a bit of a wasted opportunity, but in some ways it led me to meet people and um, get into painting a lot. So... But I was always interested in drawing, and in my time, I'd be drawing a hell of a lot, you know. And I was always doing outlines, and you understood the importance of practice, yeah. You know, because you you knew I, I can be good at this. I, I'm good at this. I know I can be. 
I understand about development because you've been drawing for so long and you'd seen yourself progress and yeah and you want to push it a bit you know yeah. and it wasn't anything there's a slight element of competition there you want to be good uh, oh yeah that's a good point competitions because you well. want to be good you especially know I mean? the black book days as well yeah yeah and my black books you know was, you know were I, I made you know I'd like I did a lot of colour work and stuff and I used to take pride in them things and man. people used to I just got a message on Instagram the other day someone guys who's like now you know fully you know guy in his 30s I guess and he said oh and Back, I remember at school, this guy came in with your peace book, and it was this kid who lived next door to me, right? What? And he he took my peace book to his school, and he said there would be like enough people looking, and then it actually influenced people who went on to write. Oh my god! And I just was like, he said, "Can I borrow your peace book?" I didn't know what he was doing with it. I was like, "Yeah, just be careful." This is obviously much later on in life. You're just no, no. This well, this is probably like. I don't know, like early 90s. But just a random neighbour? Yeah, who I knew from when he was a baby. Yeah, yeah. He was just the kid next door, you know, or who then grew up to be the teenager next door. Yeah, and he knew what you did, and he knew that he could get some cool credits. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't into it really himself, I don't think. But then he took it, and it like... And it's just funny, little things like that, yeah. Yeah. So, and then, you know, know, those pieces, and then they get insert, like, Hip Hop Connection or whatever magazine, then you start seeing people copying things, and you think... And then, like, CWS started just, like, there was all kinds of people at one point. There was, um, you know, people all the way out east writing it, like, um, what was that guy's name? Oh, man, I can't remember. Anyway, there was, like, even Fuji was in it, and, like, people from South, people, it was just everywhere, and it was just... It, it was pretty mad, but I didn't even I didn't even met some of these people. It was like a crew that I'd started with my just started mates. to blow and blow. Yeah, and blow. but that's how a lot of crews go. Yeah. They they take on their own kind of life, like a sort of organism. You know, it's like the old thing of I've had this broom forty two years. I've only changed the head <laughs> fourteen times exactly. and the handle seven times. It's still a broom, but it's not the same. It's not the same. You know, brew, same recruit. You're right. Yeah. So, but we were still in it, and then. Um, Lots of adventures. Yeah, it was good fun, good times, you know. And then, um, and that it was around that time I just after I started going out a lot, mm. like to clubs and parties and stuff. And uh, I kind of stopped doing graph for a little bit when I had to try and actually finish my course and yeah. not f- fuck it up essentially. So I stopped a bit, and then I picked it up again. I think in ninety two, which then seemed like a big gap, but now it seems like just you know taking a breath. Yeah, and then I think the first thing I did, um, I hadn't painted in quite a while, and um, I can't remember who said to me, but someone said, "Oh, you know, there's a there's an estate, kind of a ten minute walk from where I was living with my dad, and I would walk past it to go to my best mate's house, who was by Lily Road, just behind there, and there was this estate in Fulham, and I, was, oh, I know that estate. I walked past it. He goes. Yeah, if you walk down that side, if you walked through it, yeah, there's a massive like pit that's becoming a hall of fame. I was like, what? Are you mad? So I went down there, and there was only a few pieces that only just started really. And I just, I had all this old paint from before, and I just thought I'm not going to do a massive piece here on my own, just to try and get back into it. And I did this. Thing and it had like flamingos flying across it and a, a minaret coming out of a jungle and a, it had a guy with a triple five soul hat holding a champagne bucket 
weeks. I like, remember that. Have you seen that? Yeah. And like a little crack vial and like... Yeah. This sort of like... Oh my God, that painting was ridiculous. And all these rocks, like coloured yeah. rocks and stuff and clouds in the sky and all yeah. this shit. I just thought, I'm going to go for it, you know. And it was that, good fun. That was amazing, that oh, piece. I was really... I was like, ah, oh, there you go. And then um, the following summer or whatever, then, and then Sam said... Elk said, um, I'm going to do an event down here. They've let, they've let me kind of curate as it were you know like look after it and stuff so unity uh, the first unity i remember i paced the next uh that uni Robo. 93 piece man that piece you did no this was 92 year. before that oh right oh the, right okay there's cool. a rob's rob we were down the when you came down the steps yeah. we were on the the short wall on the far okay and away from the you know against the really high wall yeah so it was who was it? It was me in the corner. I did a piece saying, I don't know why. It was just an outline of Randy Pullett saying wine, W-I-N-E. And it had like a really badly painted Mobius strip and like this weird goo coming out of it and pyramids. That was it. I did pyramids. It was just, it was, it was fucking I think rubbish. I remember that. What was it was a right. piece like? And he did this one next to me that was really, these big fat letters that I think were... Um, I think they were blue. I'm not sure, but they had like yellow and orange, like a little flamey, hot kind of cloud thing and a black background. And it was really like big and colorful yeah. and bold. And mine was all fussy and bollocks. Okay. Yeah. And I remember looking at it going, shit, I've kind of, I haven't really brought the, the goods today. And then I thought, well, next year, I'll, you know, I did other stuff in between, but I remember yeah, yeah, the next yeah. one that came around, I was like, okay, Uni yeah. was amazing. Yeah. So the following one, 93, I was like, yeah. take a seat. I want to show you something now. And it was, I just did that character with the, is this called, I said voices inside my head. And it was this like guy who looks sort of like he's having some kind of seizure and the top of his head's popping off and all these little ghosts are flying out of his head. And he's got, and, um, oh God, that painting. And these really weird spiky letters that look like kind of railings and with like weird fillings. And I remember, doing the green 3D and I ran out of like three different greens. It was all, because there was only scraps in those. And I was like, mm. kept having to change the colour of the 3D. It looks a bit shambolic now, but I was really happy with the character because at that time we were getting a lot of images of like resurgence of New York graph, like kind of AOK and all those guys. And those guys who were doing those like mad Ren and Stimpy characters and all those kind of wicked characters that people were doing over there walked at that out. time yeah, yeah like yeah. walked out some yeah. that almost looked like 50s like cartoons yes yeah, i know what you mean like and some of that were and some, some of that stuff even now you look at it and it's it's incredible you know when um and then later on like up to like, like 94 and 95 when that style had developed even more and the can control developed even more those characters then were crazy what was going yeah on. that was a really nice period man it was it was interesting and you know you wouldn't the way you saw graph obviously you would just get graph mags mm. and i would um because the first time i went to new york was 92 wicked so i deliberately obviously went and tried to buy some graph mags and i, I would go over a year and try and get mags and not only buy mags but my mate over there would um give me mags or like and then you know you'd get photocopies i remember in 1989 this guy um, I, uh, she and Rec from Brighton were in Cheap Wizards and Rec said oh I've got something for you and he gave me this sheaf of like A4 paper that was like an inch thick 
and he had um, photocopied good quality as well. All these like uh, you know all those Australian graph mags that yeah. were coming out with all the kind of demote pieces and yeah. atom pieces and all this and all that mad Brisbane stuff and. And that was a completely different style. It was amazing to see that and then to see the stuff. So you'd, you'd have these like folders of like photocopies or photocopies of people's photos, you know yeah. what I mean? That was always the thing. Yeah. So you'd see pieces that were like third generation black and white photos put onto the scan bed of the photocopier. And then, so it was really nice to go and actually have real graph mags, you know what I mean? And would you, um, was New York like an influence to you? Was it like a Mecca trip or was kind it? Kind of, yeah. I mean, it was because I was, I, I had met a guy in the previous year in London from the Bronx and uh, just by chance I was DJing at Woody's. This mm. is 91, I think, or maybe 92. And he said, oh, you know, I'm I'm from the Bronx. I'm a, I, uh, I rap, whatever, you know what I mean? So we were like, Oh yeah, go on then. And he was wearing like a sort of rugby shirt, but which of course we didn't really clock, but that was like, to us, a rugby shirt didn't really look quite right. Yeah. But then of course, if you're, you know, it, it was exactly right. It was right. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was really right. <laughs> so, um, and he was, yeah, he was well good. So we made a couple of tunes, made some tunes. Westwood played one of our demos, in fact. Wow. When he, when he used to play demos. And then, so I went to New York Late that year to um, just to stay with him and hang out and so know. music had become a thing like for you to be part of. Well, I started making like music. The first record I did was in 1990. Oh right. So I did music like I'd, I was always doing like pause button loops and all that stuff and list. You know, I was into like breaks and all that. And then um, I met these guys. People saying, "Oh, you've you've got to meet this guy. He's a DJ. We've got the same friends." I met this guy. He was from like out in Southwest Twickenham or something, which to me seemed like kind of bumpkin. But yeah, was <laughs> <laughs> you know those sort of you're in zone two, man. Like, yeah, those, those yeah. days you thought what the fuck That's... zone where? <laughs> so and then um, we met and he said, "Oh, I'm making change with these two rappers from Battersea." La la la. Join us, you know, we'll be a four man group, whatever. And so we did this EP and self financed, self pressed. And then he took it around to Groove Records in a sort of bag, you know what I mean? And like, just gave them handfuls. It got like reviewed and we sold out. And it's on Discogs for like 80 quid. Yeah. yeah. What's it called? Direct Current MCs. Direct Current MCs. I mean, it sounds okay. so bad now, but the thing is, that's sort of like low quality, kind of up tempo London rap stuff. It's like really sought after now. Mm. From There's collectors and stuff. And the more. Obscure it is the better. Yeah. So um yeah, so that was nineteen ninety. And then ninety two I did um a house record on Azuli with oh, yeah. uh, they had this single disco elements and I did and it was Zachy D, yeah. who's a mate of mine, and the, the couple OG. of other guys, and then I did a tune with them on each volume. Was Zachy making music? Yeah, he was doing this like disco elements, this house stuff. Oh right, I don't know. Okay. So um yeah, so I did a tune. I'd had a couple of records out. Mm. And then, um, so then I'd had these couple of house tunes out and this, like, you know, UK hip-hop thing. And then 92, went to work with these guys. And then we're making hip-hop and stuff. I made tracks with Solo E, you know, Little Paulie Ryan yeah. and stuff. And, you know, 
And we were just trying to chip away, me and this guy, Paul Regal, he was called. We were just trying to chip away, making demos with whoever we could. And and then um, at the same time, I'm doing graft, I'm going to clubs and kind of like... But were you trying to get in the music business then? Was it going to be... I don't know. I didn't really think it would come to that. I didn't really know what I was going to do with my life. So it was just for now, up, up to lunch, we're going to make this track. Then I'm going to, you're just thinking for the day. You're not really planning yeah. as much. But we kind of then thought, let's, let's, I guess we did think we wanted to do something with it. Because we would buy the, we would book these um, all night studio sessions. Okay. Because so if you booked a recording studio at night, for yeah. an all night so it was well cheap. Yeah. They would give it to you, you know, you could do 10 hours for like, Something that we could afford, we could like, yes. we could gather chip up in, a bit exactly. of them, yeah, chip in and do it. And this was on um, what's it called? Um, the Music Street in West End. Yeah, uh, Guitar Street. I know exactly yeah, yeah, what yeah. you mean. Yeah, Thingy Street. Someone coffee. will be shouting when they listen yeah. to this. And it was in there, and it was where um, Blaps Posse used to make all their tunes and all that stuff. Wow. And. Um, was We'd it down be, the little alleyway? No, it was, was, it was just in one of these like ba- it was just Basement, one of those little one buzzers, those doors, you know. Right, yeah. And we'd be in there all night, you know, and um, making these demos and sent them to when Westwood had his like radio sending your demos thing, and someone else as well, I think, on another show, and it got played and a different one. And but we didn't really know what we wanted to do because to then the, what was the the target, what you know, what are oh, we going to put out of twelve on Cold Sweat or on Musical Life or on whatever it is? You know, there wasn't really that's as high as you could ever imagine it going. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't an abundance of labels putting no. stuff out, but there also wasn't. It wasn't as easy to. You weren't going to put it on SoundCloud. <laughs> no, exactly. So it wasn't going to get heard, and so we built up a bunch of these tunes, and then um, the thing that led that to becoming the sort of dominant thing of my life was um solo e little poorly ryan i think he was being managed at the time by the guy who started black market records and i was always hanging around in black market records buying 12s not nicky no no because he came a lot later it was a guy called Rene gelston Uh and um he was like a northern soul bod from north and um he'd heard these demos and shit and he said ah come on meet me and i think you know, you two, you're making these instrumentals and I really like the way you're using samples. La, 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 la. Have you ever thought about doing instrumental, something instrumental that you could put out? Because, you know, Paul's doing his own thing. He's signed to, it was one of the Virgin labels. We're like, really? How'd you do that? And we kind of knew that there were some things like, from Nate, like there was Nubian Crackers, Chocolate Bamboo, like some of the time zone stuff, which was like party New York kind of hip hop mm-hmm. with like little vocal loops, put your hands up boom, and little familiar samples from the time. And we liked those. We used to play them, you know, a lot and stuff. And then he said, yeah, you can do stuff like that. But what I mean is um, like more atmospheric stuff, you know, like instrumental long tracks. We think, what are you on about? And he said, have you heard about this guy, DJ Shadow? I was like, no, I've not heard of him. He goes, he's done one one record, like two songs on it. Uh, let me play it to you. And he played us this Influx, Hindsight 12. Yeah. We played a little bit. I was like, I need to go home and listen to this because it's like eight minutes long. I can't listen to it sitting in this meeting. And we went back and we were like, oh, fuck, this is all right. I mean, it goes on a bit. Like, it's a bit too long. But this guy's into similar shit because we're into like 
we like those party tunes and those like because hip hop was quite up tempo in those days. It's still mm-hmm. a little, or you had that kind of East Coast stomp kind of. It was still like more party, party and vibrant and better. Yeah. Um, but we were loving because we we're into our breaks and samples. We were into that like more moody, mellow kind of laid back grooves as well, like library sort of stuff and mm. soundtrack stuff. But there wasn't really an out. Like, how would we use that stuff? Because people didn't really want to rhyme on shit like that. And um, we're like, yeah, oh, perfect. This is it. Yeah. Yeah, we can just like let's put together like some of these kind of loops and then put them as this tune. We did this. It was on this. He had a label, Black Market. We did it as the Wise Guys. We just chose a name, and we did these two sort of like loopy hip hop things. And there was one called the Real Vibes, and it's like nine minutes long. And we did it in three sections because we didn't want to make one long tune that was always the same thing. So we did it almost like three tunes that were like glued together, Amazing. little kind of crossover bits. We thought, who's actually going to like this? Because where would you hear it? Where would you listen to this? Where would you play you it? Felt like, it was a bit personal, nearly. Yeah, and it's like you can't really play it out to dance to. You could put it in the background somewhere, but no one's going to like get a 12 out and just yeah. put this on. And ironically, then it actually led to everything else that happened afterwards because there was a guy who worked at Soul Trader, which was a distributor in Batsy. And um, he was putting to, he worked there. And so he was around that time, there was all these little tiny labels putting out like instrumental stuff or little sort of acid jazzy stuff or kind of down tempo things and bits and bobs and like that. He sort of thought were interesting and that was selling well off the vans so he thought, oh, I'm going to collect them into one compilation and let's put it out. And he called it Give Him Enough Dope. And it had a, um, this photo of this famous photo of this like hash oil or some shit on the front. I don't know. And it, the label he had, he started it called Water Sound. And, he, and then they mm. sold that album. That compilation did really well. And lots of people were honing in on certain tracks and ours is one of them and we thought wow well maybe now that it's in the context of an album and a cd people will listen to it whereas on a 12 it didn't seem yeah. it, it, it was harder to find its home and then he said you want to do a 12 so we went in and we did a couple more tunes and we put a 12 out and then that's yeah bob's bob's your uncle crazy man and at this time like you were like, okay, I'm I'm doing music as much as I can, obviously. And were you working, or were you just I was on doing this like like just normal jobs, or were you just on the music? I was like, doing bits and bobs. I was doing like a bit of part time stuff in um, a couple of clothes shops where right, I do yeah. like the odd Saturday or the odd with Charlie Shazer actually. It was a I shop that he worked in. It yeah. was on um, on Beak Street, Passenger it was called, hmm. and. Um, they had one in Covent as well. And I did bits there. And then I also did like some music, like some illustration stuff. So I did, you know, like, do you remember that label Master Cuts? And they had classic hip hop Master Cuts. So it's all the drawings of the, the trains. Oh, the yeah, car. I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was me. Was it? Yeah. I'm slightly seeing it. Yeah, it's just, it looks like pages out of a telephone book. Yeah. Yeah, it was like crap, but it's all done with felt tips. Fucking hell. So I did that. And then I did, there was wow. another one, Best of Electro, which was made to look like the old Crucial Electro thing. And it was nine breakers, like d- different yes. positions. Yeah, yeah, I did yeah. that as well. Sick. And was that because 
you were in the music scene and they knew you were an artist and so they were like, oh, we'll get Theo on this. I can't or remember. You getting, I can't remember how those... the skill was popping. Like, people were like, we need to get Theo on this. That came through a guy called Malachi who was a, re- who was a well-known DJ from like south, that southwest sort of Twickenham and Richmond area. And he was a mad like funk collector and shit. And um, he started working with them because he knew his stuff like yeah. as far as their compilations, master cuts and whatnot. And he was in, he knew all the dealers and... But he knew that I was known to be like good at drawing and Wicked. graph and all that. So he he said, "Oh, do you want to do these two album covers?" And then I also did um, some. There was a pop artist called C.J. Lewis, who was on I think Virgin or Warner. Company. I did like a few singles for that guy, and I did a few illustrations for a magazine that my brother was working on. And did you then and graphitism I did a load of that wasn't paid but I did like yeah. there was a time when the graphitism used loads of my drawings they had like all the I did headers for them and I did these yep. full page comic strips for I remember them, them as well man. Yeah. I've got them yeah. oh, right. they're at mum's ass in boxes <laughs> I've got them all yeah I did two of those for them like uh, those early grapho days and those early graphitisms were dope man yeah and it was that guy Hoops you know yeah. like I mean and, what um, he did I, I hope he knows what he did and I hope he that was amazing for my generation, especially. You lot had already had 10, 15 years in it by that time. But it was still, it still meant something. But, it, oh, you know, early on. But the thing is, with something like that, is that inevitably you can't please everyone or represent everyone. No, so you're no. always going to get people moaning. I'd be proud of what you did because that yeah, was Yeah, there brilliant... was a great point when they were like covering. <clears throat> and sometimes you would disagree. He's like, why have you made this kind of weird collage of this? Why not? Yeah. Everyone's like, just put them straight up photos. Don't yeah. put la- layer them on top of each other and put them diagonally. <laughs> and like, like they don't, 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 you know, this isn't like a, you've already fucking... gone past the zine level. Let's just, yeah, yeah. Aim higher. Man. People just want to see the pictures on a yeah. black or white background. Yeah. As best as they can yeah. see them. And we can have a few illustrations. In. Anyway. So great times. Yeah. So I did, I was doing bits and bobs just to make, Pocket money, really, just to... Did, did you think, though, so, I'm now... Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to play in the creative world. I'm Because uh, you're growing up. You're, you're getting to an age where you're like, I haven't picked a career as such, like, mm. a, like a normal career, or what we're told to do as a career. Yeah. You know, working nine to five, paying, you know, all that type of shit. Did you think in those early years then, I am... I'm creative, I know what you mean. I, will I be able I mean? to make a living out of something I, I love, like yeah. and that I'm good at? Yeah. Were you... Were you already like i'm on this path i'm gonna keep working this hard in this no i i mean i was i didn't really have any other options because i had only done gccs Mm. i'd opted not to do a levels or to go to university and you slightly got through that course yeah and then I, i i thought i'm gonna maybe go to art school and then i left it a year and then when i did attempt i i did a really like I really didn't yeah. do enough work and I didn't get in. And then I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I was really just like coasting along, just trying to make the odd bit of, yeah. you know, just money just to get. Whatever. So when Malachi says, can you get on this for you? You're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. I'll do that. I'll yeah, do yeah. this and that. I'll come and do a day at the, on the till or whatever. You know, I'll do whatever it was. And I know I was even doing things like, um, there was a kids TV, uh, like cable channel satellite tv station and i went and did loads of 
boards like paintings for them and mm. then did some and then they gave me work doing paint box you know like in the <laughs> editing room Wicked. up in that like abandoned sort of temple church thing up in St John's Wood you yeah. know that empty place yeah 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 there used to be a you, there's a film TV studio in there is there well it's like a big cavity with a black and it's black floor black seat like it's all done out to be oh, shot wow I think you can I don't know what goes on in there but it, and there's a there was an editing suite with like you know proper all the machines and everything. I remember that building there. really well. I'm only from down the road in Kilburn, so we'd walk up on the way to Swiss Cottage. I mean, or, yeah. Yeah, so as you go past all the St. John's Woods, you know, like the library and yep. uh, Starbucks and all that and keep going as if you're going towards, you know, Primrose Hill. Yeah. Uh, that place on the left. Yeah. So I used to do stuff like that and I was, you know, so I was just having my, you know, a few quid in the pocket just to go out mm. or whatever and just buy the odd 12 inch which I didn't have to spend much money on because Zaki was you know handing me bags of free records from various shops (laughs) 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 knocked down or very knocked down prices Um, and Zaki worked at Black Market, didn't he? Yeah, but there was another shop he worked at before that where he was liberty. I remember in the Black Market. Do you remember (laughs) Unity? uh, Yeah, yeah. I loved that shop, man. They were like competitors. So. Yeah, they were. Well, we were black market. Yeah, so I see, yeah. Well, I was too young to yeah. care. I knew Nicky, though, because his girlfriend lived on my estate. So I met him when I was like 12 or something. Oh, right. And um, I always thought he was from more from, like East. Well, he might have been, but his girlfriend lived right, on my estate. Right. I knew his girlfriend's brother, Paul. Anyway, um, that, so I met Nicky. We were all going mad. Oh, where's Nicky back? We met Nicky, but then the co- competition to me meant nothing. I loved Unity. Like, I remember having no, a No, it was a good shot. And just that vibe of that place was sick. I love Black Market as well. But. And you know what? To get the records, sometimes you'd have to go to four shops. So you'd always end yeah, up going into yeah. those shops. Like, like um, Red Records was awesome. Oh, man. Big Street. They always had good stuff. I used to love going down. Groove. When I got into records, man. Yeah. And going, it was oh, it was heaven in that area. Yeah. It was amazing. And you'd be like, oh, you sold out. Yeah, we only got... Because they'd get like three or four in. Yeah, yeah. And then you'd have to chip off. So knowing Zaki in there, and also Sophie, who was my best mate's big sister, and people... She's now writing Sophie Nails, you know, like... Oh, is that... I want to chat to her, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Like, I've known her since I was 13. Oh, you're going to have to introduce me, man. I <laughs> love what she's doing. My my best mate through all those years was a guy called Barney, who I went to school with, who now lives in San Francisco, works for Lucasfilm. Wow. Writing code for like CGI stuff. Oh my God. His older sister, only a couple of years older, was um, was Sophie. So oh. we knew, like we, we would go out raving and clubbing. And I got to know Zaki through her because she was going out with Zaki in Crazy. like 1990 or something. So, you know, it was good times. We, had, we were having a lot of fun. But when, when she was at the shop and then Zaki came to work there later, it was always... I knew that some of those imports and stuff were in short supply, man. And mm. not just the hip-hop things, but then also like Detroit techno things. Yeah, everything. With the etched run-out grooves and all the backwards pressings and shit. And I knew, and he would always put one aside. So I, I knew it was safe. He I'd had come you, in, had he'd you go, back. there you go. That's you. Yeah. That's like, a touch, man. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. I, I, remember, I can't remember the song, the track. I was, when I started buying from those stores, I was buying Hardcore and Jungle and, um, I, re- I remember, I can't remember the songs they say, but I remember running around the West End. Oh, 
Oh, it just sold out. Yeah. It must be in the next one. Oh man, Nikki's basement. When he's oh, got because the, the basement, basement was something else first. Yeah. The hip hop was downstairs at one point, and then it got moved upstairs and squeezed in onto that big long yeah. counter. And then because Nikki came in and did the basement. Yeah, and I remember he used to be in there. His mum would be in every day, like sweeping. <laughs> and he, she wasn't part of her thing. She would just be there, like because her boy was downstairs. Exactly. Yeah. And it'd be like this, in like this, this lady with these glasses, like, and she'd put on one of those like aprons. No, you know those oh. like house coat things. Oh, like, amazing. Oh, and uh, like it was like a family affair. And then you know, all the kind of house guys upstairs were like, what the fuck is this racket downstairs? <laughs> and all these little dudes would come in with their little hats down. And there seems to be like this never-ending supply yeah. of these guys coming up. And they're like, how are they all fitting down there? Where? <laughs> and then you'd go down the stairs and they'd be like four deep be at the so counter. Hot. Yeah. Just, uh, and they'd yeah. go, I love that. Yeah, you know, yeah. like shouting over the top. Oh man, you bring about so many memories. Amazing years. Yeah. Man. And, uh, you know, some of the guys upstairs are like, oh, you know, what is this shit? But, you know, he kind of, he saved that shop's bacon. You yeah. Know what I mean? Because it was a new wave of something. And Worth, he uh, he made that basement somewhere to get that stuff. Yeah. And whether you're into it, I was never into it, but yeah. I, I hats off because he uh, he made that shit work. He pushed there, the movement. That yeah. Guy, and he, he was shifting records out of there. Yeah. And it kept, you know, it put another big load of hot air into that balloon, man. It, was just, mm. it rose again, you know what I mean? So you've got to... You gotta give it to him. It was um interesting times, you know. Mm. That like we were talking about, that was a, a birth of something which was for someone like your age, that was exciting. And oh new. mate, yeah. And it sounded new and it sounded different, but it yeah. sounded like it was the child of things that had happened before. Yeah. But then someone had like you know, digested and distilled and processed that into something new. And at first that seemed kind of shocking almost yeah. like almost not confrontational but it was like whoa this is different yeah and I, how do i feel about this and a lot of people were edged out by it and um now we're used to it but at the time it was like it was quite it was it was an what am i right in thinking that everything else seemed to flow along up to that point together like you had obviously acid house was different to detroit and all these different sounds you had everywhere yeah but the jungle sound and well, it kind of grew because the, the just, tempo stuff went up. It went yeah. up. Like, I remember when I was going out a lot, 92, 90, 91, 92. And then you'd have your like shut up and dance stuff and your bleeps and then your sort of London breakbeat-y kind of ravey stuff that was a sort of mix of, you know, yeah. American and British sounds. And that was wicked. Amazing times to be going at. And then it kind of like one strand of it started to get faster and faster. Yeah. And I remember going out and going, oh, this is getting a little bit on too, top. Too much, too, much, too mm. fast. Because, and also I wasn't doing any pills or anything. Right. I was just on a natural the whole time, not mm. out of any like ideology. It's just your choice not to. Yeah. yeah. And then the jungle thing, you know, came out of the, you know, so you had the hardcore strand and then yeah. the jungle thing split off. Yeah. And then it just sort of like, because there was an almost like a freedom there, it was like, fucking let's, let's go keep going like accelerate it yeah for that energy because it was like let's that feels good so let's push it a bit further in that direction because it feels good it feels new and like exciting and do you know what i mean and then people and then the tempo just started yeah. like growing quite fast quite quickly and i think that was the thing that really jarred like a lot of the old house yeah. pods and that because they were just living life at 125 and then here All comes something sudden. that was like going up to 140, 150, and then obviously further and further. And uh, 
But essentially, it was made out of the same building blocks in yeah, many it ways. It was still the same, wasn't it? It, it was, was the same. It was bricks that you knew, yeah. but just sped up. Yeah. It was samples that you knew from like Saxon Records or yeah. whatever it was. It was like bass lines that were like dub records, you know, and it was, you know, bleeps and stuff that were kind of taken from techno and Amazing, acid. And it was, and it, so it was very much the sound of London and it was a necessary yeah. evolutionary step. And London, I suppose, needed it for, for that, those, that Yeah, because it had done, it done, it taken all these things and made an incredible club scene and rave mm. scene. And they were expressions of that musically, but they lived alongside a lot of other stuff like American stuff mm. and European stuff. And then that really came and said, this is purely from here and it lives in its own bubble and this is ours. And then if people want to sit alongside this, they have to do what we're doing because mm. this is the, the new what manifesto, time, do you know right? what I mean? So they became like, and so to hear that coming out, booming out of that basement, yeah. you know, it was like, that sounds nutty, and you're like, but you know what? You can tell that's fucking. It's gonna that's be a summer. buzz. That yeah. is a buzz. One summer must have gone, and then the next summer comes back, and it's the same. Push yeah. Again, and house guys are like, "Fuck yeah!" I suppose. And then it changed, and it got like yeah. darker, and it got, you know, as you go into the '90s, more deeper. It got, you know, obviously like this sort of techier kind of darker stuff which i was never really like a drum and bass head or a jungle head but when i first heard those like ed rush kind of things and mm. i was like that's fucking that's a wave that is because mm. that sounds that sounds bad that was crazy years i loved them man i loved them i, so, I mean I, it was all drugs for me because i love hip-hop and i found the only reason i got into it was because i was taking pills with my mates so i got i started raving first at peach to house and then six weeks two months later whatever then i was at labyrinth <laughs> and then that was it I was just at Labyrinth and then everything that came with that all the raves and Hastings Pier and Mark, Mark Milton Keynes and the big old Victoria Deck Docks yeah the big <laughs> yeah I was getting you know there was a time when you would go out like 89 when I first started going out you would hear hip hop records and house records and techno records all at the same time right yeah when I say techno people might think unji 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 no. I, don't, I don't mean that no. I mean like Derek May records Juan yeah. Atkins records which had like pads lush pads and like even vocals like yeah. in a city that's a techno oh, yeah. do you know what I mean so it's um and then you would hear there was more just things grouped around where they have dance all around the tempo so you'd hear like Young MC and then you'd hear like Sueño Latino and then you'd hear Wicked. like uh you know all, what's Orange Lemon and then you'd hear Todd Terry and then you, you know and it was all being heard in the same clubs and then it so you'd get into these records yeah. and being into like electro and having been into breaking and that tempo wasn't a thing. I didn't get into hip hop at a time when it was super slow and it was just about getting like blunted. Do you know what I mean? I got yeah. into it when it was about Pop. dancing and yeah. having an energy. So up tempo records were fine. And I was going out. At, uh, it still made sense. All of that. Yeah. Was and so also, you know, you going out in eight, 89, 90, 90, and you're you're doing kind of like you've got pin rolls and people are doing kind of <laughs> shacking out. Yeah. yeah, they're doing the kid and play numbers and yeah. like <clears throat> we used to go out to the wag and the brain and there'd be I used to have a high top fade. Wicked. <clears throat> and it was see I mean I'm now I'm I look like a boiled egg man, but this thing was literally like this. Six inches. Like, thick like it was in well high <clears throat> and had a cut around the side and so dancing Styling. Was, it was all about those records were still wicked. You hear those like Latin freestyle records and some of those house records and some of those house records that used things like Champ or 
you know, bass lines from Simand or, you know, so there was a, there was a shared thing there with a lot of house and, and hip hop and stuff. And so I got into just going out and dancing and just being on a dancing one all night, but I never took any pills or anything. That's, but you know what I'm thinking though, that's all because of how much you loved music. Like you just didn't need to, did no, you? No, yeah. Not to and say also that because I, I was too para to do it. Yeah, maybe you were, but I, you, <laughs> I, I think <clears throat> loads, thousands of people are paranoid about taking drugs and they step into it. Like, I think it sounds like you were getting fed so much from music. You didn't mm. know you were a kid and you were a teenager. And you got the energy naturally. Yeah, you, and but you you were getting you just didn't need to. I remember my mate Mark, rest in peace, Mark, and he used to come hardcore raving and rust, didn't take any drugs at all, and um. Yeah, he was he he made hardcore as well, and he was so so into it. He would dance the whole fucking night in Labyrinth. Yeah, I'd be dancing all yeah, night. Yeah, Con- and he'd, we'd come out in the morning, he'd be fine, and we were starting to fucking like fly off our rockers because the pills were just taking their toll at that time in the morning. Yeah, it was he loved the music that much. Like he got so much from it, he just didn't need to. And you knew that the, you know the music would sound the same in the daylight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that record that sounded good last night. Still sounds fucking yeah. brilliant. I, I hated people. I'd never played hardcore jungle in my house, ever. And I hated going to my mate's house and then playing tapes. It'd really fucking annoy me. Like, <laughs> I was always a moody fucker when it came to that. I Because I was like, no, no, we're in the house, man. It's ain't on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so sticking with just the getting by and whatever happens and odd illustration comes in and getting in the studio and making music and it going somewhere. And So how did you... At some point, you must have decided this is it full time. I am music. Yeah, I think I, it was. I, and how did your graffiti world go as well? Well, I was still doing a bit of graph here and there, you know, but I wasn't doing a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'd be doing like the unities, I'd be painting here and there. And just, but I was sort of doing the music, started to pick up. I was really getting into it. And now that someone had said, hey, people actually might want to listen to your music, mm. that's really that's the incentive for you to go, okay, well, let's do some more. So we did um, a single for this guy and it got really well received in in its own sort of, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. scene or yeah. niche way. And then that we did another one and it seemed to sort of start growing exponentially a little bit, like the reactions you would get. And then you'd hear your first, like, bit of feedback from another country, like, and you'd think, wow, <laughs> people are hearing this somewhere else. Which, Damn. And that, you know, you can take it for granted, but at the time, that's a big deal. When you're, right, yeah. you know, you're first making something, you see the first review in a magazine that you've been reading for, yeah. for, you know, for years, and you see it in a shop, and or you go in a shop and they go, it's sold out. And these are like major little yeah. moments for you. And then, oh, we've run out of the first press, we're going to do another one. Oh, here's a review from a magazine in Belgium. And you think, I don't know anything about Belgium, what's, what they're into, but... But it's great that they're hearing it. They're here, someone's hearing this in a record shop and a journalist and they're writing nice things about it. But it still hadn't, you know, paid yet. So, and then he would say, oh, I'm going to do a couple of parties. And the first party we did with him for the label was in... Um, the, is it what's it called? Uh, Thekla. It's that boat in Bristol. You've mm. been there. Mm. Permanently moored boat. Come on, man! That college experience he had was like the you know the art and design school in New York where all them writers went. I've never heard a story like that about London. An all-star lineup in there. 
But as we see, Theo got fully caught up in music and it takes hold of his life and he tells us about his career in that world, from DJing all over the place to top 10 tracks and movies taking his music. He tells us about his different groups he was in and how and why he became fake blood, made from frustration of being held in a certain way creatively. And he tells us about needing to fill a part of his brain with painting again. And we get into a discussion about how feeding your art really helps you take a step back and see what's really nourishing. And I remember we were so, we'd done DJ'd at parties before, of course, but always out of milk crates because your mate would drive yeah. and there'd be like a, a place and you DJ and then you take your milk crate home. And we got in the sort of car van thing with this lot and they'd been DJing you know out for a while and they had like record boxes and that we're like what the fuck <laughs> and we turn up get in the car with this like blue you know express dairies milk crate he's like what the fuck's that he goes well, that's how you carry records isn't it and they're all taking the piss out of us so we turned up <laughs> with this boat and we'd never played to like a paying crowd before and no I had actually that's bollocks I'd played at Woody's and I'd played at a few this place on King's Road, we used to play like hip hop and house, and I'd done some little things. Like you were getting that. little gigs here and there. Yeah, yeah, but I never played out like yeah, yeah. for someone. You know, like go to another Going city somewhere to, and yeah, go exactly. somewhere to, yeah. where everyone in the place is a complete stranger. Do you know yeah, what I mean? and and we just played some record, but we didn't really understand exactly the dynamics of like because the other people were playing different kinds of music. We were just in our little hip hoppy bubble or. But we, we knew how to DJ, which was the thing. And yeah. some of them, they didn't. <laughs> so you made it a party. You so we could, like, yeah, and we were used to be able to play in like, which is essential, I think, for DJ. I can go off on a tangent, but we knew how to play in a, a kitchen of a party and make it rock, play and make early somewhere late. You know, we knew how to like yeah. play records that would make a, a group of people if go. If you were up at three o'clock, you knew what you could play yeah, at three yeah, o'clock. We, we yeah, can pull this, we can pull this together into yeah. something. yeah. And then you really learn how to do that when you're first doing these smaller gigs, you know. And then we did another gig, another gig. And then it was like, do you want to do an album? And then I got an agent who happened to be a mate of mine. Who wow. I knew from, he was a guy from Lewisham. He said, and then get a few more gigs. Are you going to have to, you know, and then it's like, well, I've actually making a few quid. I've got a few quid in my pocket. Yeah. And There's not enough hours in the day to do anything else. Yeah, and I'm going to make some tunes, and like, I've got a bank account with like some. There's some. There's like three numbers in it, <laughs> and I don't need it this minute. But. No, yeah, not four numbers yet. But three. Yeah, and uh, I can now go and rent a flat and pay a deposit on a that go and live in a and I so I I went and lived in a. Because I'd been living at the top of my dad's house, basically right. in the, the top room, and the house was like a bomb site. You know, what I mean, it was covered in graph, and I was mad. That's a whole other story, man. Anyone who ever went there, that house was legendary. <laughs> Your dad caved, caved in. He then. didn't care. He was not. He didn't care. His theory was, God rest his soul. If I know you lot are upstairs, I know you're not out there. Do you know what I mean? It's good dad move, man. Yeah, it's good so, dad move. Yeah, there's like the base is fucking shaking the floor. Yeah. And you lot, you know, some of your mates are smoking weed. I never smoked weed, but you mm -hmm. give a shit about stuff like that. And you're all sitting up there and you're doing your drawings and you're talking shit and you're but I know because he'd he knew that I had the potential to be yeah. climbing out the window and fucking off and doing something sketchy. You yeah. know, he'd caught me before in Hammersmith 
Seven Eleven at three in the morning because I went around Sundance to do a piece, <laughs> and he woke up. And I wasn't in the house, and he went. He was, was the only place in the area which will be open at this point. And he walked in, and I was in there like buying one of those shit microwave burgers and that. So you know, when I was fourteen, so he knew yeah, I what was capable. He, yeah. yeah, so he was like, if I if they they can just have their little space at the top of the house. And it became a place where my friends would come because they wanted to see him and because he was like, he wasn't like their dads. He would talk to them. Wicked. And he would like, like often they'd be like, and I'd throw the keys out. Yeah. And half an hour later, I'd be like, where's Singy? Where the fuck's he gone? And I'd go down, he's in my dad's room with a glass of Jameson's. <laughs> <laughs> Just talking about his home life. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah they're a bit tight, my mum and dad. It's a bit uptight at home. And, you know, like, I don't know what to do with my life. And he'd be like, well, you know, you should, what are you good at? And he would, uh, he was like a kind of like, Uncle bit of a Yoda to the, yeah. some of these, some of my mates. So that was nice. So it was a good spot. But then we had to, we had to go and uh, I went and rented a, a corner shop on Harrow Road. Yeah. And, um, which has now gone back to me, a corner shop. I lived there for the brief period when it was deemed fit for human habitation. Wow. Which it wasn't at all. Okay. It's now... On the corner of Second Avenue yeah. and Harrow Road, opposite the footbridge, yeah, there's a like just you know when these corner shops with fruit and veg outside. Yeah. I lived in in that shop. Fucking hell! That was my. It was a room that had like carpet tiles, you know, yeah. on a cement floor, right grills permanently down, yeah. so you could only open the window a little bit on a day like this. You were dying You're in fucked. there. Polystyrene ceiling, you know, <sighs> like a fridge in the corner which a rat lived in. Oh, nice. <laughs> And this room full of like Albanian nutters who were fresh in town, who looked like headhunters, man. And they were in there like stamping all night to Terence Trent Darby. Like loons, loons. And it but that was, was your just, first place, yeah. Yeah, and it was Amazing. just, and I was in there like making my tunes and just. You know, and then that was the point where, oh, this is my thing that I make. This this is what I do. Yeah. And um, I've just got to enjoy it and carry on. And then it just sort of snowballed, you know, grew and grew. And uh, yeah. Has it, it's been great then? Yeah. Well, it's been like, what, 20, oh, more than 20 years. It was my, my full-time living, you know. So I did the Wise Guys thing till like 2000, I think. I had a... Top had a number two hit in England, had a top ten hit in America. Then I killed it. I didn't want to fuck it up. Then I did another thing as Touche, like House Records. I did on various labels, and then I did a thing called the Black Ghosts, and we had a tune in the Twilight movie. Oh. And while we were doing that, we just uh, we were getting really bored because they were making us do a live show, and we didn't really want to do one. And we were doing rehearsals. And I thought I'm just gonna remix one of our own tunes anonymously. And I don't really give a fuck what anyone thinks of it because I'm going to do it under another name. I just need to get some of this shit out of my system. So I chose a name and it was Fake Blood. Mm. And um, people really liked it. And then I got asked to do remixes and I had to pretend I, I was someone else. I gave myself a fake name and stuff. Amazing. And I didn't then, know that. Yeah. And then it started to like really fucking blow up. And so did your band know, your people know? Yeah, they knew. They they knew there yeah. was literally like a handful of people knew. Yeah. And it started going nuts like online. Like there was, there was a whole blog that was dedicated to theories of who I was. Amazing. And there was people on like, you know, on chat rooms and forums and 
on MySpace and da, 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 all these things like who is it? Who's is it this person? And um, it just built up this kind of it was like it was manic. It yeah. was crazy. And and then um, I didn't know I couldn't own up to it. I was like, what do I do? And it was the best PR I've ever had, the best success, th- and I didn't do anything. It was just one of those things where everything aligned. Like, that's like <laughs> I was like, this is mental. This is blowing up bigger than anything I've ever done before. And I haven't, I've, all I've done is make the tunes and just disown them, basically. And, and then uh, someone said, do you want to finally say who you are? Like, you've got to show your face because they want you to go and DJ in Australia. I'd already DJed in Australia a few times anyway. Right. I thought... And it was on this tour, this mental tour with other people like, you know, it was like Diplo and all these other people who became like friends and stuff. And I remember the, the madness on the first one where they were people just almost on top of each other because it was like the first time I was going to... Who is fake blood? Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a Did anyone ever guess? Buzz. I go, nah, no one. No one. And yet I'd been making tunes not long before that. That really did sound like if you just... Just there, go back a little bit to yeah, this bit. It, that you can... You'll find it. You'll see who it is. And it's... Can you not... And they just couldn't... The excitement out. though, man. Yeah. It's for people. Like, you know what I mean? It, it was it was fucking mad. And I remember I have this collection of photos now. I used to do gigs. And people would turn up like covered in blood and they'd make their own t-shirts and clothes and banner. Like It was just mad. It was like a mad sort of buzz for a while where people were just... And people were losing their shit at these gigs. And it was fucking... It was a real laugh. And then I just uh, carried on, and I, I did this single, Mars, which became a big, you know, sort of tune in the club world, which I just banged out, you know. And uh, in your bones by now, <laughs> and then I did a, another tune called I Think I Like It, which ended up being quite a big tune and stuff. And uh, yeah, and then you're just traveling the world. And but you know, I had done that already quite a lot anyway, but you know, DJing in the States all the time with the other things you were doing, yeah, before, um, previous fake but, blood, but this was the biggest, like, exactly, this was a, a yeah. much higher level, you know, like Australia and Asia. and yeah, I mean, it's just fucking grateful, you know. And But it was all just, like many things, it's a series of right place, right time. But I think that's a di- disingenuous. I did actually, I think I did some good stuff. I'm no, not going like, to be falsely humble. Uh, yeah. I did I did some, I worked at it. But what I didn't do and what I then later became a bit of a, a stumbling block is I didn't know, I, I don't know how to like hustle or promote myself i don't have that and that is essential these days you need to be the one-man band who like blows your own trumpet and like knows how to set out your little brand or whatever the fuck you want to call it and talk about you even if it's to the point of like people who know how to use instagram to like generate the right what time following yeah and i i just never had that in me i knew how to make tunes play tunes out fucking smash up a crowd make a good tune but when you but then someone would have to put that out or book, promote me. or It just becomes you in your everyday life, basically. And you, it isn't right place, right time anymore. It's just, I happen to be, the next thing for me is this. The next thing for me is this. Because we just put ourselves on a journey. Yeah, but then if you, you there's also then the danger that if you don't, 
keep up with that momentum, you're going to fall off. Yeah, and so by having... And that's when you have to really start working because you can work yeah. to get to a certain stage. It is the then to stay, bit, to keep that stage, yeah. it takes even more. And often the thing is, what's weird is that if you have gone through a process where managers have hyped you and promoters and PR people have known how to spin you and you've made Agents, records under a certain um, formula that you know fits and will work, then you kind of know how to carry on. But with me, my successes were, I won't say accidental, but I never sat down and said, I'm now going to write a tune that's well big. I'm now going to... It was just me doing things that felt honest at the time and then people liked it. But they didn't like all of them, but the yeah. ones that they did... Fantastic. But then the problem is you think, how do I do that again? What was it about it that people... And then if you try and copy what you did before, you fuck it up. Have you found yourself doing that at times? Well, yeah, I've done that at times, yeah. definitely, where you think, I need to do another one like that. Yeah. or but, not, but what was it about that that people liked? And the thing is, if you do one that does sound... It, it, that's not what it is. It's something about the energy of the original thing because of you made it at a point where you weren't really... Not not giving a shit. You always give a shit, but it's like that slightly punk attitude where you're just like, I'm just going to do this. Yeah, this and is what I'm making. This is what I'm doing. And yeah. It, yeah, if it doesn't fit what's going on at the moment, it's it's on you and it's an honest, genuine gesture yeah. and output, yeah. an artistic. And whether thing. it's exactly, and then you'll you'll just go again. It's yeah, pretty much like painting a wall or something. It doesn't matter if people don't like it or whatever. If it's a hit and a success and loads of people love it, amazing. But then one's like, you know, it was like Instagram, you, know, you post a piece, a few people like it, post another one, loads, and you think, yeah. why do they like that one, that one, that one? And you can't really waste time wondering take, about that. No, and I think, well, I'm, I, I'm talking about me telling you, great piece, I, we can't, I, I don't know how people judge anything off Instagram mm. or this type of following shit, because a lot of it's, well, there's so many factors to, how did that do well or not, down yeah. to the minute you post I know the, it's just oh, fuck it. I hate that world, bollocks. but it's it's part of us now. And yes, back to the hustle point was that you had a chance to just nurture and push your creativity and be a musician and work hard at it and have managers and agents and these people who had these roles. Well, I never had a manager. That was a thing. But, the, but there were people in roles to, who who even just looked at what you were doing and say, "All right, we'll take that. We'll do something." With yeah. That. Now you to have your voice heard even more and. Yeah, you're right. You've got to know a million and one things. I, my next thing for this podcast, I've got to figure out a way for more people to listen to it. We're about 8,000 listens so far. I've done no promotion. I'm really happy with that. But I'm just like, right, well, yeah, no well, this one. This is it. How do you then... I've it's got, like I can make something. Yeah. But then in this world, how do you then put it to be yeah. visible? Yeah. And it's it can seem very demoralizing because when you make music... Like I took a break from it all for a while. Now I'm getting back into it. And you uh -huh. think, okay, well now, how literally how do you get music into someone's, not just their hands, into their attention? Yeah. Because, you know, you used to be able to send people records. Yeah. Or, With an A4 bit of paper. Yeah. And a couple of bits. generally people would probably listen to it. If, if you're going to email someone an MP3, you know, your chances of it even getting yeah. opened. And then it's about, and it's about relationships, pre-existing ones and associations like who you're already affiliated with. And 
if and it, it can be you know especially for someone who's starting out it, it must seem very kind of overwhelming maybe. overwhelming but then people break through and they I do think, it well i tell you what it can i think no matter what is overwhelming at the beginning and i think what you did was overwhelming at the beginning if you gave a second to think about it mm. and so don't just do the work well this is it because, because it, you, the best things you do are the ones where you're just yeah. doing it. You're not overthinking it. You're not no. trying to analyze yourself or the formula. You're just doing something. And, you know, we were talking about jungle. And it's like that's the case in point of people yeah. just saying, we're going to make something that doesn't really sound like, yeah. follow, follow the rules of what's already there. But it just feels right. It's in the same, and, it's like it's the same house, the same building. Yeah. But, but we're going to push it in another yeah. direction that, it gives us a little buzz. It yeah. gives us a feeling of some sort. Mm. And therefore, that's not wrong. So yeah. let's just do it. I think, yeah, I think a lot of people must question themselves before they make or even give a chance to give themselves that action. Like, I, I just think if you if you love something enough and if you can fit it in into the, you know, the 18 hours or 10 hours of the day that you're awake, if you can fit it in with everything else you've got to get on with, at one point, just let it take over because consistency will inevitably lead somewhere you I, be, I believe that i might be completely wrong i'm kind of hoping that's the case <laughs> yeah. Podcast, but <laughs> yeah, I'm like, mm. <laughs> yeah i just i think you know i'm not even talking about in a monetary way i'm just talking i want more people to listen to what we're talking about and so i'm hoping by being consistent which is what i've done in my life i'll be consistent and make some i'll, I'll get something out of it at some point so I, that's what I would say to young people now. That yeah, cool. You need an Instagram account and a Twitter account, and you might have to be your own manager. But at the baseline, just love what you do and just fucking do it. Because yeah, and it can it can lead to amazing things. But it can also, you know, it's so many people I know are creative. It's it's the, it's the they can bring the stuff to the the castle wall, but then how do they get into the castle? You know what I mean? That's yeah. I, <laughs> To be honest, though, I'd rather fight. I'd rather figure that question out than mm. be on a monthly wage and yeah. work for. So I, that's me. I just like you know what. I'm going to look at the castle wall. It might take me six months to figure out how to climb it. But I'd rather do that and not get paid for six months while I'm looking at this wall, figuring it out, than sit in an office and not actually get anything out of my day's work. Yeah, uh, that's. But that is how I. And I'm scared of that day's work now because I've been doing this for so long. So that that whole world just scares the. I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah, well, real life does creep up on you, doesn't it? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you... And... Uh, oh, I haven't got a clue what's around the corner, but I'm happy about the well, last that's, that's, 18 that's, years. That's <laughs> a great, great way to be. I think I'm probably always trying to predict what's around the corner and maybe just I should just, like, uh, go headlong, you know what I mean? But I've done that before and it's it's worked a treat. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a fun ride. You and know. then back in the music now, like another wave maybe or an yeah. experiment. Well, it's funny that you know when I sort of let the music tail off a bit, it was when I was going to have a kid, and that was the point where I started painting again as well because yeah. it was like I love music, I love making it. It's essentially a hobby of mine that became my living, yeah. and did I did very well by it, and I was very grateful for that, fortunate. But I was starting to resent it a bit and I was starting to feel burnt out and drive ideas and stuff. And I was, it was getting, I just had, I'd had enough really, I think. So I thought 
I'm going to do a piece. I've not done a piece in eight years or something. And I hadn't done it. And I, I remember that feeling. It was in the pit, the old mm, pit, yeah. before it has gone there. But mm. I went down there and I did a piece. This was paint I found in a box in my, like, you know, storage space where it is. All these old, like, I don't know, Belton, like original Beltons yeah, and uh, Bunties and uh, Japlacks. I remember I had some Japlacks. Oh, I love Japlacks. Anyway, and I did this piece and it wasn't amazing, but I was like, the feeling I got, it was this part of my brain that fired off that hadn't been stimulated in years, which was this visual part of my brain that had always defined me. But then as the music became my life, I'd let it kind of atrophy a bit and let it go dormant. Mm. And yet it was there and it needed feeding. Do you know what I mean? And so I did it and it was like, vroom. and I got this buzz walking home. I was walking down like towards Westbourne Park Tube. And I was just like, fuck. You know, I, a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> I DJed to like 15,000 people at this thing. And that was great. Yeah. But it didn't feel as good as this. Or it wasn't touching the same. It was something else. This yeah. is, this feels better. I feel more satisfied, more happy. Yeah. Maybe it's because that, I'm not going to take it for granted. I'm fucking fortunate you know, and I've worked yeah. hard, but it's almost like I'm getting a bit accustomed to it. Yeah. And it's not as special. It, it's still great, but this, boom. And I felt so, like I was walking on air, man. Yeah. I was like buzzing, a like proper natural buzz. I thought, oh man, I'm going to, on the dollar painting again. and so, and it becomes this thing where you know I mean you'll know like when you go and paint you it's that thing where you're not thinking about anything else except it and your immediate environment you're yeah. just thinking I'm doing I'm here doing this there's no space for any other sh noise and if you're doing something legal you've got time and you've just you're just doing it if you're doing something illegal you're too focused on getting it done and getting away in one piece for anything else to bother you yeah so you you don't have time because you're no. focused on that yeah whether it's two in the morning somewhere or whether it's two in the afternoon somewhere yeah. it's all that's in your mind and it's you against yourself and against the thing in front of you. here i am i've got a bag of paint i can either do something shit or mm. something blinding mm. it's up to me and i can't and I'm just going to do this. And I can do two hours. I can do six. Yeah. And I can, I can get a better result in two hours. And I can sit or vice versa. Or vice versa. But yeah. it's just, you just do that. And all your other stuff falls away. I don't look at the phone. I don't even take a slash. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't even hydrate. You know, I'm not even, I'm just in that <laughs> thing. And, and in that way, it was like, almost like therapy. Do you know yeah. what I mean? To do that. And then, you know, you're at that point where you're like, when you're younger, you know, someone might go over it and you're like, fuck that, who's that, who's that, I'm going to fucking, like, you know, I'm going to fucking get in that guy's face or some shit. <laughs> and then, you know, later on, you're like, I couldn't give a fuck. Like, I'm not going to get, like, get my fucking hands dirty. I'm not going to scrape my jeans, like, no. <laughs> some bullshit. I'm some colouring in. You know what I mean? I've I'm got just my gonna, photo, man. Yeah, I'm going to take a photo and I'm going to walk away and then, yeah. you know... You, 
whatever. I had a great day with my friends. Yeah, and, yeah. You, you, yeah. you like, you know, you, you work out your fucking issues. Mm. You don't, whatever. I don't care. I, I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> Who cares, it, man? It does, you know I mean? And I love it. I've got to the stage. I'm just like, oh, so don't take, take the bait. Don't take fine. the bait. No, just I walk did, away. Yeah, I did. Oh, it doesn't, <clears> doesn't. And it's liberating because I just got oh, so fucking yeah. like. Oh. Well, we're brought up in that it's a competitive culture, yeah. man. It's a fucking, you know, it's a. And also the the turnover at these places is so hot. Anyway. Yeah. But you know, and you just, yeah, you just one foot in front of the other. You just and painting becomes painting, man. It's beautiful at that stage. Yeah. Right? And that's all it's about. It's just about painting and doing doing whatever you feel, whether you want to do a shit piece or whether you want to do a, an amazing piece, whatever you feel, you can just do. And there's a couple of you know I've got mates who I paint next with and. Uh, that's kind of like it's the only time I get to see these guys often. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. I've Whereas you, we used to hang out, and no one really hangs out. It's yeah. like, you know, we're doing our own thing, but and we're having the odd chat. But it's like it's it's it, you, you're not really hanging out anymore. Do you know what I mean? No. With people, everyone's no. like spread out and separated and doing their thing and, and doing their London life or whatever. <clears> life yeah, and just fucking keeping their nose above the water. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, cutting through. But man, I, painting days for me, man, it's, it literally is my hobby now. It's not my life. It was once <coughs> my life and it, it consumed me like that. Now it's my hobby and I, oh, it's the best thing, man. I get to see mates I don't hang out with often. As you say, you just don't hang out with them and I, I try and make it the longest day possible yeah <laughs> and i just have it's the greatest times man they're so fulfilling and everything's off my shoulders everything exactly. it's uh, and i walk back to the tube or the car and i yeah. like, look at my phone it's like seven texts and then i'm like oh god here we go yeah i mean it's, you know i just write this a couple of stops before i start replying i'm just going to yeah, live on this yeah, yeah. euphoria for a bit longer. yeah <laughs> Wicked, so man. it's nice to have that <clears throat> there you know that yeah. sort of that's always there you know and uh and is it still the interest in the structure of the letters and yeah you know, the characters you can pull off and the well, i never really palettes. do characters i mean very rarely so I suppose, rarely because yeah. i really just i just can't be asked generally because i think oh can i then also have to do yeah. this uh, but you've put a lot into your pieces man these last eight years i guess yeah I you've mean, worked I guess, hard you, you don't <clears throat> duplicate you don't like you yeah, but people don't like that that's the thing i don't duplicate and people are like, oh, which style you know you haven't got one style it's like well no i'm sorry they're wrong i can i think you can crop a snatch piece i don't care what style it's in and you know it's a snatch piece well that's that see that's <clears throat> mad when you when i hear something like that because that's people would say that about tunes i've made are oh, like i would almost do blind tests yeah and, I, and they go that's yours or and how do you know that I haven't. I guess, you nice. can just tell, like yeah. the snares, the way you've done. Like, yeah. And it, everyone does that, I guess. The, you unconsciously leave your fingerprints on things. Well, I think it? no. But that that to me is when you build style. You, I don't. At sixteen, <clears throat> seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, it's very hard to do that crop shot and be like, yeah, that's them or mm. that's that person. But if if you've been painting longer than ten years, you've got to have that. You've got to be able to crop that photo. Ideally, and someone can say, especially a geek can say, that's who that is. <laughs> There's definitely so a few geeks. I, I love the fact you go, you know, and Zaki too. Like, you've both, like, the walls you've produced together have been amazing, man. I've got a chance to paint with you a couple of times, which is brilliant. 
but yeah, you, you paint different. But you're not painting the same piece over and over again, and which I think is fine as well. That's what I do. Like, <laughs> I paint the same letter structure pretty much. The yeah, but same. that's but also, that's how that's I like just a to different. Paint. Yeah, it's just, and you it. explore different color. And oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. And and there's there is there is something different in all the paintings, obviously. But it's yeah, I don't know. It's, just, it's not because I think it's better to. Do, I just think my attention span is yeah. just that when I draw an outline on a piece of paper. Yeah. The next one, I want to draw a different shape. Not because I'm like, that's done with. Just yeah. It's just the way it happens. And then when I go and paint a piece, I'll often take different letters from different outlines. Wicked. So yeah. I won't just copy an exact outline. You could have go, three bits of you. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the S and the N on that, but the A didn't really work. So I'll take the A from this one. And, uh, and then the H I'll just make up when I get there. I'll yeah. figure it out. <laughs> didn't get that far in the sketches. Yeah, because all my yeah. P, like, it all end in C. Snap. And then the H, I'm like, uh, H is boring. Yeah, it's just know? lying. So the, all the H's look the same. So... Yeah, and like when, um, that's also what I love when I'm when I paint with you know a few mates and a crew thing. You all have the same background of it, and then you're like really good mates. So you'd have like me, Zachy, JL, Cole, whatever, and then you all peace, and then you'd all stand back, and they're all so different, so different. But you're all like really tight, yeah, mates, and and they all look like who they are, kind yeah. of in a weird way. Well, I tell you what, <laughs> they're. They're all so different between you. They're different to everyone else's piece as well in the scene, but they're stamped again. Your your partners have all got that same thing as well. It's just like that's a definite this person. That's a definite. You know when you see a Jade piece, you know. Yeah. Like, you can see it from an angle and know it's a Jade piece. Is it? You know. And it's kind of to me, his pieces look like him. Yes. It's well, like have, the dogs look like their imagine. owners. You know. What yeah, I, mean? I can imagine. <laughs> and it's like. Yeah, it's 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 funny. Zachy's pieces don't look like him, which is weird. It's like, although there is a sort of there's a sense. Part of it could look like ninety one Zachy. Sometimes his pieces could look like a ninety one Zachy. Yeah, the photo shoot from Face Magazine is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, and then his old Chrome Angel stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, his like his hair when he had the the three step uh, haircut done by Vogue WD. He was a coiffeur. He used to do a lot. Did he, yeah. High tops and like haircuts, yeah. Crazy. Conrad. He's, he's an interesting guy as well. And you went through the cruise as well for your graph career. Well, well you, I, you know, did the, like, I suppose NHR was my first thing, New Horizons, which is, and then I did, uh, we had, what was it, CWS, of course. Yeah. Now, before that, we had five Crazy Devils down the South and with Andy C's, and then CWS, Chief Wizards. And then, um, what else did we do? There was a little one, AG, Alpha Gods. And then there was, uh, and then 92, I got put in PFB. Wicked. Who put you in? It was a whole load of, it was like, when it was Jackson Elk, it was their crew, you know, as far as, but they knew me and I knew yeah. them. And also from going out in town a lot, with each other from clubs yeah. and that. And then, um, you know, it's always been, no one knows what it means. And all that. I remember we were at some party, I think it was in Covent Garden, in some dance studios over there. And they went, Jack's like, yeah, so that's gonna. He was like, uh, yeah, we've been chatting, and we think um, you should be in PFB. And I was like, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, oh no, cheers. He goes, all right, well, we've got to give you a few licks. Fuckers. <laughs> 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 so I was like, what? And then they just all started like digging in, battering me. <laughs> Not like proper, no. you know, like a stomp, but no. I definitely got caught a few licks. Wow. It was quite funny. Old school. Yeah, and then there was like, hey, let's have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> you can soften your bruises on that. So, um, yeah. And now it's the others. 
the others, yeah, which was just a sort of ragtag. You know, the others we just thought, well, we're not really that, and we're not really part of that sort of part of the scene. We're not really. Yeah. What are we? We're just like the kind of. I've always been like that in everything I've done. Music, I'd like a bit of a misfit, uh-huh. like a bit on the outside, like. And well, the others, you know, we're just are that other lot, you yeah. know, who don't, you know, overlap with. Everyone knows you know yeah, them, yeah. but they're like, what? What do they? Who are? What do they do? Like, is he? I don't know. Like, what? <laughs> Just, yeah, just sort of waifs and strays, isn't it? Stray dog gang. Amazing, man. I love seeing the paintings. Cheers. I'm going to do one tomorrow, actually. Wicked. Do you Zaki? Mm. Yeah, good old Zaki. Lovely. One of one of the nicest guys in the game. He really is, man. Yeah. He really is. I love meeting people that, that know him as well. He, like I said, this guy yesterday. And, you know, he's a grown man. The way he told me about getting to visit Zaki. You know, Which flat was it? Was it one in Fulham or in I, you know Bermondsey? What? I don't know if it was Zaki's girlfriend and Zaki was in the house. I don't oh, know if the yeah. girlfriend had said, oh, Zaki's at my house. My boyfriend, if you want to come round. Or if he'd gone to Zaki's house, I'm not sure. But either way, it was just like, yeah, the guys fucking just had that name for it. Yeah. He used to have that place in Bermondsey, man. That was the spot. Oh yeah, fuck, I totally forgot about those. Shit. Well, this one wasn't him though, was it? I think this was someone else. That one was someone else. Yeah, this one. Yeah, 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 that's the one I remember him doing that. Done. When I when I first met Zaki actually, and he started telling me, we started talking about music and that, and then he mentioned Black Market and the years, and oh fuck, I think I remember you. Yeah, that we could chat, and I found them last year. I was well happy to get them. We used to have uh, we used to have a laugh because I used to used to do like each other's haircuts, like clippers, and we'd always be cutting things in. Got a mad photo of us at Subterranea, and it's. Me, him, and Barney, this guy, my mate, who mm. was Sophie's brother, and we all cut each other's hair for New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety-one. And the back of our heads are just blockbusters. One nine nine one. With three Sick. of us had it with like, you know, lines, and I had yeah. a high top, and Dan had his little steps, and yeah, funny. We used to we used to just hang out. Like, remember, he had this this flat full, and we'd sit there, and when Mode would come over, we'd just sit wow. and do outlines. And he had these Mode had these incredible like sketchbooks then, like A three sort of size ones, and just those those nights, you just sit, you put tunes on, you're mm. just drawing, you're just chatting shit, you know, you're eating pizza, and you just. Uh, do you think you would have got to music without? those previous experiences do you think you would have got to the level you got with music or gone through it the same way I mean way? who knows who because knows, yeah. you know it's like the butterfly effect isn't yeah, it you just yeah. you just don't know what things alter your sliding doors shit you know what I mean you yeah. don't know what things slightly divert you in another direction would I have met that guy I made beats with had I not been known as someone who was into graph and music yeah. probably not you know so that it might have just stopped there. You know what I mean, well, the, the, I mean, it's it you obviously loved music before all of it, and you would have 
probably kept the affinity up with it. I guess, but I was not musical. I was no. like, I never learned any instruments or yeah. my family aren't particularly musical. And they're like, there was always there was music in the house and they had yeah. records and that, but they, none of them, there wasn't like a piano or no. like, my brother would play as a guitar, but it didn't influence me because I didn't no. really like it. To be different so, guitar music as well. From yeah, I never got, really. yeah, it just, uh, completely different kind of mm. set of aesthetics and influences and music and stuff like and who knows it's music sort of just came along because it's sort of not accidental but i i didn't expect to i thought i'd be doing something visual something artistic that was always what everyone thought i'd be doing and i thought myself i wasn't sure how or where or when or but and then this music thing took off and it just like sorted me out because i didn't have any fucking qualifications mm. <laughs> <laughs> culture it's the one man culture yeah. art wins if you can fucking join its team and i think stay consistent at it i think something happens in some way i you know i, I get asked to do such weird things like my, my son sometimes he said i remember him saying to me but how come you you don't i haven't got a gcse no one can tell me i can't do anything like I haven't got a certificate to say I can, so I can do. I'll go for anything, mm. like, and I'll if I love it and I want to work it, I'll do it, and I'll end up somewhere weird a bit. And yeah, I loved I love the journey I've been on, man. It's been hard, yeah, but it, that that's never really been the point. I just want to fucking keep coming into a studio or going into somewhere where I can be creative with friends. Yeah, it feeds that's... so fucking much. Like, well, it's good that it's amazing you still got you're still in touch with that part of it, that part of you. I think I lost it for a bit. I think I got, I fell in love with, I've made money. Do you know what I mean? I, I think I fell in love. I, I, I got distracted. You know, literally three years ago, buying a boat changed my life. And it happened before the three years, but that when I bought the boat and I didn't have to rent a flat anymore and I wasn't going to be kicked out of another flat because they were selling. And I was like, one fucking minute, mm. I can make some more choices here. If it isn't going to work and art's going to win, I'm not doing it. And that's how I've been. And it's been horrible. And I've, you know, had rousing meetings and I've walked out of stuff, lost jobs because of it. But to be honest, I've been a much happier man the last three years because of it, because of the way I'm being. And well, that's good, man. You've to... found your path. And I'm finding it. I'm, I'm on a path that's leading somewhere. It's yeah. still very blurry. I've had to get someone else to do new business for Rare Kind because I'm too dangerous out there. Because <laughs> so, well, that's often the you need someone. Like You yeah. can't always do everything yourself. Nah. If you want to create and have the ideas, sometimes you need to have someone else who can do the, yeah. the people stuff. Well, this is the thing. I obviously have to make money. And I've got people who don't work for me, but they know that I get them work. Right? And there's a, there's a team to utilise and plus more. So it's getting hot. We'll wrap fucking up in a sec. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just, I thought, fuck it. If I'm going to go out there and be this and be a bit out of turn sometimes, and I have been a bit wrong, I've gone a bit too far. The business needs to make money. We'll get someone else on it. You can be creative. Yeah, because you can end up being a liability. I, yeah, I've said, I said a couple of things in a couple of meetings. And that's something which, you know, every, every scene, every, as it's politics, essentially. Politics with a small P. Yeah, you know, As yes. in, the, the way people interact and yeah. perceive you and the way you present yourself. Yeah. And you can get misunderstood. Or sometimes you can be totally understood and you're just being a prick. Yeah. I think, I mean? well, for me, uh, I just started to hate advertising and brands and stuff. Yeah, and that, and that hostility, it's can the, you can seem like, because I know exactly where you're yeah. coming from with that, but it can also seem like to someone like, out of context without... 
you're just coming over like an ass. An absolute prick. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're just coming with an idea and maybe they're not carrying the entire industry on their shoulders and they are the sharp point of that pyramid. Yeah, yeah. But at that point in time, you're they're in your sights yeah. and they're going to catch it. Yeah. And you think, oh, I kind of, I fucked up with that. Uh, uh, that's exactly how I feel. That's exactly <laughs> how I feel. But I must say the route I've gone down has helped me feel a bit better about it all and just trying different things, the podcast for one. Yeah, amazing. you've got to just keep, especially these days, you've got to kind of, what's the word, uh, diversified. You know? Yes. You've got one. to, you can't yeah. just rely on, you've got to no. try and push different things and try different yeah. things and, you know, it can be fun. It can be like, I don't know, it well, can be intimidating. It's, yeah, but, it's stressful. It's hard work, but. So and you've yeah. got a space here, which is great, you know, and that's giving yourself a physical space to do something. Yeah. Even if it's like the corner of a room where it's like, well, I'm in the corner of this room, leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. Or if it's just a little... This desk here. When yeah. I'm in here, I'm in here to do yeah. me yes. and my thing. And I have to do that to make... Because outside I haven't got the time and I can't, yeah. I've got life and yeah. Yeah. And so everyone needs that, you know, yeah. they need their little <clears throat> zone. And you, can, you work towards it. I started all my shit in a sitting room. And when you're a kid, back. you've got... Your bedroom, yeah, exactly, that's your yeah. thing. So you can sit there on your little computer, on your little decks, yeah. on your little pad of paper. But when you're older, you're not really, you don't, unless you're lucky enough to have like a place which has spare rooms <laughs> yeah. and you've got to try and find a way of working and getting. Feeding. Because there's something where you, you need to get up and go somewhere when, where you're going, even if it's whether it's a paid job or you're working yeah. under your own steam, you need to feel like your purpose. My purpose in this room yeah. is to do this thing, not to fanny about and no, get distracted. Yeah, yeah. I'm here Keep a purpose to going. do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so I might as well just get the fuck on with it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas at home, you're also more likely to kind of just go, oh, that thing needs doing and oh, I'll just look at this shit YouTube for a minute. Whereas you need to... Mate, I just, <clears throat> if people can give themselves that time, what it, what it leads to is amazing, man. Yeah. It, it feeds so much it, and... Yeah, you never butterfly effect again. You never know where it's going to go. But, and it's um, hard not to be selfish with it as well. Like you really, you don't want to say when I'm doing this, I need x amount of time because it it's necessary for but that, the future. That, that, but that, then people understand, like partners, and they're like, okay, when you're doing that, you know, yeah, you need to be I, doing. It. And I in fact, my missus almost says, no, you do that more. Like, yeah, don't worry about yeah. you know, your little man. As long as you're playing the right part. In the partnership as well. We don't, yeah. I'm, I'm the same with Bex and my partner, my girlfriend. I'm just, as long as I respect and do the duties that are meant yeah. with me and, you know, I, I do spend time with it, cool, you're having another late night, not a problem. Yeah, because there like, are points where, you can, especially when you're creating, you don't necessarily know, you can't always train it to come nine in to at five a doesn't point. work, no. You might think, I need to do this thing at the moment. Yeah. And all, and that happens, it used to happen a lot with when I was making music intensively. Was yeah. It? You might be delivering something to someone who's in the States. So the hours are different. Yeah. Or you might be, they might need a change that needs, you know, and I used to be very nocturnal. And I had to sort of train myself not to be. And, but there's still a part of me that is naturally like that. Yeah. And it's kind of trying to pop out occasionally, bubble <laughs> out. Yeah. And um, although <clears throat> having a, a little kid, you think, yeah, I'm going to have a late night working tonight. And you start to, you're like, <laughs> 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 conking out. Because yeah, you're, you're just shattered. You definitely know? a level of real life that does fucking yeah, shake things up. I'm not that guy bit. anymore, yeah. I'm not that all-nighter. <laughs> Maybe in 15 years. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, I better get, get This is a movie, wicked. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
what a conversation. Theo is a creative force and has and keeps fine-tuning the way he puts out his creativity. An amazing journey so far, and I'm really looking forward to painting with him soon. And Zachy. Keeping his eyes and ears open to the goodness in his young years gave him something to follow in his life. And through hard work, a bit of consistency, and the right time, right place, Theo's achieved loads. Dope chat, inspiring as always, as each and every one of our stories are. So, with that in mind, Again, reach out to me. Tell me who you want me to be chatting to or go and reach out to the people you want to tell them to come on to here. We need to have more conversations like this. And you know what? We're not restricting it to London, man. I want to chat to people around the world. We've got worldwide listeners. I see you all out there. The SoundCloud stats are sick. So look, get in contact. Instagram is at F24podcast or you can get me on my Instagram at at, at rarekindldn. Let me know what you think, man. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Remember, love your city and love your culture. Art wins again. Still thinking of you, Robbo? This is F24.